0: Hello, 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 welcome to my art form. It's time for Post Orthodoxy, a show about changing our minds.
1: Yeah, baby. It's with your hosts, Dark and Ainsley Sevier. Maybe what they believe about reality isn't all of reality? What? I know, right? We are on a mission to have a better time with more people more often.
2: The question is, how do you get, 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 get Post-Orthodoxy explores strongly held beliefs, how those belief systems divide or connect people, and what might be found beyond those reality bubbles. Keep calm. Don't lose your head. I've got a piece of chocolate here with me because i got anxiety about doing this. Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor, neighbor. neighbor.
1: Yes, indeed. Welcome to this neighborhood.
2: Uh, season 3, episode 3.
1: Season 3, episode 3 with special guest Tony Connors.
2: Thanks say, for having. say hi to everybody.
1: Would you like me to say your name in a particularly interesting way on this show? No.
2: Okay. All right. So just Tony. Tony, Tony Connors. Very good. Uh, artist at large. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me.
1: It's been a long time we've teased the idea of you two getting together to talk about art and the government. Um, Mm. Art
2: and the government?
1: That's what I was told. Well, there was a spark. That's what I'm looking forward to.
2: I had a thing about, um, I've been fascinated by this story, this article of uh, Jackson Pollock and the CIA. But yeah, we can get into that at any moment. (laughs) Yeah. First, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me.
1: We have to do a little disclaimer. I don't think this is going to be too controversial of a show, but you never know. Uh-huh. The thing the thing about post-Orthodoxy is we like to talk about all the things you're not supposed to talk about, right. which can be very, very alarming for some people. Um, and that's okay if you're the sort of person that um, really just wants to feel safe and comfortable, don't watch this show.
2: Yeah, sometimes we say stuff.
1: Yeah, and that's fine. It's, there's all kinds of people on the planet, and some people like... The thrill of jumping out of airplanes, not knowing if the parachute's going to pull, and some people don't.
2: Right. Also, uh, uh, we're going to put a little missive out to anybody out there who is a carpenter that can make our studio look like it does on TV, where our guest does not always look like a little person.
1: Tony <laughs> is, in fact, a normal sized person.
2: I'm not a three quarter <laughs> size. <leader>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tony is, in fact, normal sized But it's, um, the, it's
2: all on the lens over there. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Um, I sometimes have broken conversations with you uh, yeah. at your place of employment, where we sit across the bar, exactly. and we start to have conversations, and it starts to get good, and then something else has to happen. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we did have one conversation about uh, how uh, I've been in the realm of art for most of all of my adult life, and I think as well Same. for you, exactly. Um, and I don't think either one of us like to talk about art. I the don't thing. like to
0: talk about it. And they don't, it, it depends on what, it, what exactly we're talking about. I like to hear about other th- what other people
2: are doing, if that makes any sense. Okay, that makes sense. I guess for me, I'm not a trained. This is where I'm, I guess I'm a street artist. Uh, not a trained artist. I didn't go to school for any of this stuff. So I don't know. That'll
1: help you. if I turn the microphone around to face you. Okay. I don't, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> better. oh way better.
2: <laughs> yeah, but It's like self-taught. Self-taught, and also, so when we go to the the art museum, and you look at stuff, I don't know what I just know stuff that I like and stuff that I don't like, hmm. and I don't feel obligated to talk about. Um, I I I can't do art talk.
0: I don't know. It, it, it's one of those things I can switch on and switch it off depending on who I'm talking to. But hmm. I understand, I went to school for so long, like you. you do, you work really, really hard to you know use all the all the words and all the things I know all the words and all the things I don't often use them because I think people try to fit words in, especially when they're talking about art like fit uh. all the buzz buzzes in there like and it gets to be like like kind of exhausting and it reminds me of school too so and I liked school, don't get me wrong, but I'm not into it anymore so
2: right you so you went to school for for uh for art yeah what kind of school- what does that mean well, what is that what's the class or I went to is there a degree? I have four. Oh boy! Um, tell, tell me about them.
0: But so I I left. Uh, I went to I moved to New York City when I like as a teenager and went to FIT was the first school that I went to, mm-hmm. Fashion Institute. So I went I went there. I got a, a degree in fashion illustration first. Oh nice. And then kind of like really like thought that I needed to do something that forced. I wanted to do art. I didn't want to do that. And I really didn't um, like it. And, the, and that job... That well, started, why did you
2: go into that first?
0: Because I, you know, I thought I wanted to do art and have a job. And oh. I, thought, I thought I had to have <laughs> a, had to, i went through the degrees and had to pick it out. You know what I mean? Okay, so then okay. I moved on into fine art. Um, I also at FIT. Went to New York Studio School also. And then transferred to SAIC, the School of the Art Institute in Chicago, where I finished schooling, did my um, master's degree, everything there. Okay. And mostly painting, but like, feet like my... Uh, I shouldn't say mostly painting. Sculpture was what I um, mm. was most focused on on the front end, and but painting is what I kind of do now. Because I used to, my my sculpture, truthfully, is me making sculpture for other people. I fabricated for other artists. Okay, okay.
2: Well, that gets your hands in a lot of different materials and learning a lot of different styles and a lot of different uh, techniques and so on and so forth.
0: But also, to, it, to talk about talking like the idea of talking about art is the same thing there because then you're looking at somebody else's work and you may not like it. And and you work on it for a long period of time, and like you, you feel like you. I always, you ever like see somebody's work, and always think you can improve on it. Even you get stuck on your own work, right? But other people's work, you could probably solve for them, and that's how I felt. (laughs) It would be like that every single day. That's what work was, right? Right. I mean,
2: having to to bite your tongue,
0: yeah, (laughs) because you don't have and and you do not have an opinion. You're told that by everybody, and you don't, and you shouldn't,
2: right? Not when you're there. You're basically working. You're a tool for the artist. Yep. Like not, not even suggestions not, for like not, material I don't change. I mean that in the like N- little, but it, that's tournament. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun. So it oh, yeah. got you in a lot of different studios, and
0: yeah, yeah, and, and like the, that's the biggest thing I miss, miss about uh, New York and or Chicago is like being stuck on something in my own studio, hopping up and going, being hands in somebody else's, just to mm. be around other work and still be engaged and still be you know, and also steal people's ideas. <laughs> that's yeah, a big right. part of it while well, t- right. well,
1: taking the pressure off of your own process exactly. for a little bit exactly uh we have chef boyardee joining in on twitch and mark french says that the the very way that you speak is art <laughs> he said uh it's always purposeful
2: i love mark <laughs> great dude come back and yeah. visit yes yeah. please <laughs> so i i'm the opposite in terms of not i just started doing stuff for sanity reasons mm-hmm Uh, hands just started doing things and then stuff started coming out. So I always feel like when we start talking about art with people who actually worked in the realm, I tend to work in somewhere else. I tend to work in the realm, but not in public and sometimes stuff come out, but I never really worked in a studio, with people who know all the terms. So I feel, I think I have a little insecurity around sure. talking art to people mm. who are, you who, feel who, like you know you're the not history an and know the movement and they can look at that painting. And that's say like, I came from that guy at that time. And this is what was happening in the world. I don't know any of that stuff.
0: It's, I don't know. I, I will say that like the, the, the understanding the history understand um, viewing art and stuff like that really doesn't have anything to do with making. I really think that in most, if, if you, if you find yourself in your studio and you're making art for, for any other reason than for your sanity, for yourself, then you're not making it for the right reasons. I've always believed that. I know, like, I, and I'll—I'll be honest with you. I actually got really, really good at making paintings that I know I can sell. And right, the, and
2: right, takes, right, and that takes
0: and the fun and the enjoyment and the uh, saving your sanity goes completely out the window the moment that happens.
2: Have you ever heard that famous? Uh, there was this this art uh, forger can't remember what his name was, but there was this art forger, and he was forging art in all the master's styles. Like publicly or like? He was forging it and then selling it as originals. He was aging them back 500 years. Oh, my goodness. He was doing Picasso. He was doing Rembrandt. He was doing all these different things, and people thought these were original works coming up. For sure. That they hadn't found. And so Picasso and his manager were going through a pile of... Um, his of these things that they that the art dealers needed to figure out is this an imposter or is this an original Picasso? Right, so Picasso starts thumbing through and he's like, That's mine, that's mine, that's a fake, that's mine, that's a fake. And then his agent's like, But Pablo, I was there when you painted that. And he goes, I can fake a Picasso as good as anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, I like that <laughs> because I, I know for my own, like, I tend to do exploratory work with materials, what can I do with this stuff? And then when I find something I really like, where something's come out and people say, hey, that's amazing, then I think especially when I was younger and more desperate, I would go into a production mode where I'm like, I yeah. can make some money. Yeah. And then I hate myself about a week later. I hate everything that I'm doing. About,
0: and, you, and, you, and, you fall, and you fall into the, the, the pattern. If it's a pattern one, and then two, the other side of it is you, you end up not liking what you originally made. Mm. Like the very first one, you probably actually really enjoyed. and was actually very, like, very about dark and you really enjoyed it. Then the next ones, they're all they're all copies of what you tried to make before. I, th-
2: I think for me, it's I was working with stuff where it's like going down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. where I'm like, where is this going to take me? But then when I start having to figure out like I have to write a package for this thing or I have to have a story or how do we market yeah, it? And okay. When I start getting into the marketing part, then um, and I love marketing. That's
0: where gallerists come in. <sighs> oh, so it's horrible, <laughs> That's their it's horrible job. for me. To, I, I, I feel that it's like yeah. such
2: typical artist stuff, and I feel like when we talk about art, we sometimes wade into the same waters of religion, sure. where everybody it's you, so connected. You say God, and then everybody has a different evocation in their brain yeah. of what that means. It's the same thing with art. So I wanted to talk to you about your ideas because I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in like battling ideas of art. I'm always interested to know where people are coming from in mm. terms of like. What does art mean to you? Like for me, I think art has a very strong political component. One hundred it's always had a political component. And artists, I feel like myself, art as an artist, I I've never been in religion or been a priest.
0: Mm. Sure. I mean,
2: I haven't either. But as an artist, I can totally I totally understand why somebody would do that gig. Because sure. you're you're a calling, sort yeah, of like a abso- calling. Absolutely. So tell me about like your how does art fit into your world and and uh, how, how does art fit into the world for you, I should say. Not just yours, but the general. Yeah. I mean, it's different depending on what it is,
0: too. Like I, there's a lot, like you talk about the idea of you going to a museum and I think when I was seventeen years old, I walk into a museum and see like, oh, I like this, I don't like this. I'm convinced that every single um, male art student, when they go into art school, they they love H.R. Geiger or Dolly. Mm. and then when they leave, they love Andrew Wyeth. Oh, it, and it's it just one of those. The edge of it goes away, and the reason it does that, I think, you if you, you if you can go to appreciate just about anything. Like I could either in a museum, like I don't like now. I mean, I just am happy that I'm in there. I don't dislike anything. Right, right, but I really right. like to. I I also t- often when I'm looking at art, too, I find myself looking at the edge of the this and wondering how they put it together. I'm like, eh, I could do better than that.
2: Yeah, and yeah, sometimes it makes yeah. me
0: want to try, like with even right. like with portraiture and stuff like that. Like you talk, talk about religious portraiture, I love like late Renaissance, early like or late Gothic. I'm sorry, early Renaissance um, portraiture. I love it. I just think it's mm. the weirdest thing in the whole wide world. Mm. But I think it'd be I think it'd be interesting to do like like contemporary people in that same thing even have like the arcs on it and stuff like have it all like have it all capital off and stuff like that mm. gold frames and i like that sort of stuff but like oh, she's pulling up Geiger talk about like fixing um into a place in my life like i think it used to be something i just really really liked to do and was like I could draw in, in high school, and was like I, I enjoyed making things in high school. I like throwing pottery on a wheel in high school. But then, I'd, when I was in school, it became more serious. Like, a, like when you go in when you're very first in art school, like undergrad and all this sort of mm. stuff, you're you're learning how, right? You're learning like how and what what, what you kind of like. But when you're leaving, you're you're more concerned with why. And that's a really, really, really hard question. Mm. Like, why are you doing that? Like, no other, no other art in the world I don't, never has to be explained to anyone. You listen to, like, music. music you or- know what it is. You, you know what's happening. Like, you, you understand. it, No matter how experimental it is, you recognize what it is. But it, as far when it's visual art, it has to be explained. Like, you think about how much they, like, abstract expressionists was, like, just completely and totally
2: hated by okay um, who would be an abstract expressionist pollock pollock de Kooning. What, do you want to talk about pollock let's talk about that because it's like, so <laughs> so it's funny
0: like you, you realize the people involved in that were like so you got willem de Kooning, uh, jackson pollock um robert motherwell and mark rothko okay mm.
1: i watched red i love that play
0: Oh, nice. Oh my God, I love that play. <laughs> it threw Sorry. me off just though. I watched Red, I'm like, I, 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 it sounds like a dog's name. I'm not positive what's going on oh. here. It just threw me off. Well, no, it's also it's a, very, very there's mean.
1: There's a really great uh, Bruce Willis movie called Red, which stands okay. for Retired and Extremely Dangerous. But what I'm talking about is the Mark Rothko play yeah. called Red, where him and his, I think, somewhat fictional assistant. Mm. The assistant is trying to help him do these paintings for the damn hotel, and yep. he's like inspired to do everything except those paintings. Yep. And he has this amazing speech at, at one point in the play where he's just talking about like red, like the blood on the shaver when you nick yourself, and red on like the blood on a fire truck, and red like pasta for spaghetti. You know, and yep. he's just like talking about all these. I just like my hands went numb from clapping so much <laughs> after that That's play.
0: Fa- I've never seen it. I know. I know of, 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 of its existence. But um, I'm a huge Mark Rothko fan, giant Mark oh, so Rothko fan. Houston has a really great museum, a lot of a really neat Okay, work. so tell me the
1: so genre. So Jackson Pollock and Mark Rothko, and who's the other were person? are in the
0: genre. Um, uh, Robert Motherwell. Cool. And Willem de Kooning. Did I say that already? Yeah, you did.
2: But, and, and what's that genre? It's Abstract? Expression. Expressionism.
0: expressionism. You know, yeah. And what, what era was that? Uh, 40s, 50s, kind of ended like kind of ended I don't want to say it ended because there's a handful of artists that kind of like continued on of course right but that was like that was like the heart of it
2: like the plebe in me looks at like a Pollock painting Mm -hmm. and I'm like well I could do that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then now that I've done some art and come out the other side I feel like that looks like an amazing meditation yeah I can see myself Suspended over a canvas and just drooling all over it for yeah. several hours to see—that looks like it would be so much fun to do. Yeah, as an artist, as a process, as a meditation.
0: I always have this like thing in my head too, where I look at a lot of his work and and, and the early stuff when it looked a lot like Picasso actually, mm. and he moved on to like the like the the, the, the splash the drip or painting, drip paintings right. and stuff. But all
2: I knew was the drip. I didn't. Yeah, of course he did other stuff beforehand. Yeah. I didn't know that until. I started going down the rabbit hole it's of the a, CIA. It's a movie you should watch with the. It's a really inter-
0: interesting story. His his um uh, his story is really interesting. I'm trying to think of the actor off the top of my head.
2: Ed, was it? Probably Adrian Brody. No, no Ed,
0: Ed. you're right. Harris? Ed Harris. Ed Harris, yeah. Ed Harris yeah. did Jackson Pollock? He played yeah. Jackson Pollock.
1: Oh.
0: It's an inter- interesting movie because it kind of brings Lee Krasner, his wife, was actually mm-hmm. a pretty ap- exceptional painter. But like the argument for her often is she never really had a breakthrough. Until he died, and then she had a, or until he died, uh, Jackson died, and so she, out of anger, cut up all his paintings, (laughs) all the paintings that she owned, and then collaged them all back together (laughs) with with, uh, with her paintings. Wow, they're 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 really gorgeous. And of course, she had a huge breakthrough because of that. But the sad part about that is, I would, it's always sort of attached to him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. right. But she was like, but they were married. They were
2: attached. She was
1: artistic, doing artistic composting.
2: (sighs) Ah, yeah.
1: Isn't that what you call it?
2: Uh, Cultural composting. Yeah. That's what I call pulling all my metal rusty bits out of the junkyard and doing (laughs) stuff.
1: That applies on any level, honestly. Cultural composting, yeah. It could be
2: metal. It could be news. It could be... I like the idea. Any
1: art that we make, we're we're taking something and regurgitating it and forming it into a new form, whether it's writing a song or writing an article or painting a painting. Like, you're taking your pain or your happiness or your memories or your angst or whatever and turning it into that thing... And she just literally did it with her husband's art.
2: Yeah. I I spent a lot of time in the jungle of Hawaii uh, running an organic landscape nursery. And Mm. in Hawaii, unlike Montana, where everything just desiccates, um, (laughs) the cycle of life is much quicker. Stuff rots down really quicker. And I got really hip to the idea of compost. And then I started looking at our own culture of, like, all the bullshit in our culture. Yeah. I'm like, well, wait. If you just pile up enough bullshit... And, and it eventually <laughs> it, it becomes fertilizer, right? Yeah. And I think that's so much of the fertilizer that I work with as a, I like an artist I like is that it's the bullshit of our culture, mm. like heating up and squishing down, and yeah. then you start, it transforms. It has the ability to transform into some fertilizer for new growth. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I think, and, and even like you, you saying that, like sort of like draws, you asked me a question earlier about what it meant. And that kind of like, I think it's always a, Good thing I, you could follow and pay attention to art, and not watch the news, mm. and and still almost have a good finger on the pulse of what's going on. Sure, depending on and like if you're paying attention to Ai Weiwei in uh, China, uh-huh. you know what's going on in China. China.
2: Right, right. So, like, I never thought of the stuff that I did as political. Mm. Uh, but when I moved into, and when I talk about art, I guess I'm a multimedia artist. So I've done some music stuff. I've done some poetry stuff, writing stuff, photography, sculptural, all kinds of different things. To me, art is sort of like, again, it's like a calling. And then it, there's different expressions of it. And so I'm a political person. And so that comes through in some of my work, but I don't know if it comes through in other of my work. That's why I'm curious about this idea. Is art? There's a. I don't know if it was poetry is the enemy of the state, or somebody said art is the enemy of the state. But either way, I think at some point art has been the enemy of the state. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when and and I tend to side with art in that battle. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think you can sometimes, but you can't all the time. Yeah, depending on the like. It's funny. Well, it, talking about the uh, the CIA thing, you know, it's funny. Like, like the CIA literally. Made Mark Rothko and uh, um,
2: Willem de Kooning rich. Okay, can we set this up? Yes, absolutely. I, I, talk didn't, about, I didn't know yeah, that. I want to talk about this story. So, like, I was, I, I, I'm really irritated by the CIA all the time for some reason. And so I'm always finding out <laughs> new stuff. For some reason. About, I'm always finding <laughs> things I don't out. know. <laughs> so, I was raised in a super far right wing cult. And one of the big stars of that cult was Bobby Fischer. Who, Not the chess player. The chess player. No joke. Yeah, he was. He was
1: a star of your right wing cult. He was the
2: star of our right wing cult. So, like, World our right wing god. Our cult was very Anglo, like, yay, European. Everybody else is going to hell. Um, and so uh, they got Bobby Fischer into the cult. And during the Nixon years, uh, and part of the Cold War era, there was this cultural war. As well as the Cold War between yeah. the Soviet Union and the U.S., this is exactly what the we wanted to prove our superiority over them, and and we couldn't beat them in chess. So they got this weird cult member from a cult to go kick their ass in the chess, and like <laughs> literally, like Kissinger called him up and was like, "You got to go do this for the country." Yeah, right. So it was showing that we were better on all these different fronts. Yeah. So tell me how that played out with so that was, that was
0: Rothko the, and that was the reasoning. Like so, for instance, we were uh, referred to by. Uh, Russia as a... The U.S. was referred to as a cultural wasteland. Right. And there was no... Zero creativity happening here and stuff like that. So they took... It's funny because they... It got um, under their...
2: Yeah. Got in their craw a little bit. Yeah, it did. Yeah.
0: And that was that's literally what it was. Like, there was one point... I don't know if you've ever seen it before. There was a... Uh, I, I can always pick off... I, I know... I Like you mentioned before, I, I know painting. I know if, if somebody was trying to do it, I know exactly what it was. But there, you ever see something... And it, it's unbelievable, so you just like kind of let it go. But there was a CIA like insignia over the top of a Pollock painting, and I'm Shut like, up. "That's not real. Like, no. That can't be. They, they couldn't take that for that. That's, there's no way." But it absolutely was. Are you serious? Dead serious. I tried to find it when we were talking about this the other day, and I never never did wow. come across it. But
2: so how did how did so from what my understanding is from reading a few articles mm-hmm. uh, was that to prove to Russia that we were not a cultural wasteland. We just started throwing money at art that mm-hmm. nobody could say was good or bad because it was abstract, right? Is that what yeah, happened? Pretty much, exactly. But but he, they, he made Rothko and de
0: Kooning, that made them household names. They nobody, nobody ever known who they were at all. So
2: they're just in their studio and the CIA finds them. I don't know, how does that even happen? Oh,
0: so, so the way they the way they pushed it out, you mean? It was yeah. all through like like magazines and stuff like that. So
2: people in Russia would actually be so exposed. That would be, that would this be, is what's happening in America. Operation Mockingbird by the CIA, <laughs> the, where they embedded CIA agents in all the media yeah. in the '60s, yeah. so that they could push agendas. And so yeah. the CIA operatives through Project Mockingbird then said, "We're going to tackle yeah. this art question."
0: You know uh, what? Uh, what's the Orwell uh, "Animal Farm"? Mm-hmm. They in 1947. I don't remember who did it, but scientists
1: they say that's not real.
0: What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> scientists
1: <laughs> no. agree that that. That doesn't really happen.
0: They they, they, <laughs> they made this um, an, uh, animated uh, adaptation of an, Animal, animal farm. farm for and they and they in, and they injected all this like American like current jazz and opera and stuff like that as another later on to it. But it happened in forty seven. It was a, like a
1: grown up Fantasia.
0: Yeah, pretty much. That's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> but, it was, but just to like again like use all like uh, like to show off that how culturally advanced we were and stuff like that. But it was going back and forth and also to convince people. Against like communism because, right, and that was all it was. That's really all it was. But again, made those four people incredibly rich.
1: The CIA made that movie.
0: Yeah, it was driven by the CIA. <clears throat> wow. Animal Farm,
2: not Animal Farm. This, this <laughs> animated adaptation, <laughs> that animal animated adaptation of Animal, animal farm, farm by from, the CIA. That's
1: from nineteen
2: fifty four. I have fifty four. I thought it was forty seven. Super Cold War time.
1: It says nineteen fifty four. British right. animation. Color by Technicolor.
0: Oh, so sweet. <laughs> I've never, I've, I've only watched <laughs> I want to watch that. It. I so want to watch that now. Yeah, it's available. You shouldn't, I don't think it's on
2: Netflix, but. It's on YouTube. That's all we need. Mm. You can watch this on
1: YouTube for free. I'll put it on while we're talking. You guys can concentrate, right?
2: <laughs> Is this going to get us into copyright problems?
1: I don't know.
0: Oh, we'll find out. I
1: don't know if they pull up visual copyright. I
0: don't. Think so, you songs that if there's music and
2: sound on it and you're not playing, it's a part I'm not
1: playing the audio according to
2: the CIA, it's a part of our cultural heritage, right? And why we're better than the <laughs> Russians. So, wait,
1: so let's let's dial it back. Okay. Why did the CIA fund an animated version of
2: so it, George
1: Orwell's Animal? Farm?
0: So, so like throughout, like the, the music yeah, is and what George it was. was,
2: British, right? Yeah,
0: okay. all right, carry but on. um but friend of America, friend so. of America. The yes.
1: CIA is a friend of the globe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everybody's but it, friend. like the,
0: in the, the music and all this like jazz, like like con- at that point, contemporary um, jazz and like other like
2: musical, that was what it was for. That Exploratory. Was, uh, well, jazz was uh, an American.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. Uh, genre. Yeah. You know, with all the stuff so, that
1: we've watched over the last couple of weeks, I'm starting to wonder if like any of my existence has not been contrived to turn me into a particular type of person.
2: Probably not. Probably not. That's cultural programming. It's
1: beginning it's... to feel like the best thing that happened to me was to be a Republican Christian homeschooler that stayed at home the whole time.
2: So you didn't know <laughs> what was going on?
1: I, I, like, didn't participate in a lot of social brainwashing programs. You missed a lot of those bullets. I did. Yeah. I just had one particular brainwashing program that I've been able to deconstruct because there was just one.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, when you grow up in school, you have – there's this whole tribal thing that happens in schools around how you are going to work with your tribe at the – the various tribes of the school and then how you are reacting to the programming of the culture. Mm. And she wasn't, she didn't get any of that. She oh. just was at home or church,
1: which is why I make people mad sometimes.
2: Cause you don't know all the tribal.
1: I'm like too blunt or too nice or like, I don't catch their, their particular drift about something that they're sure. trying to hint at me about.
2: I per- I
0: often pretend like I don't. So, Oh Yeah. You, uh, you have a yeah. superpower that I wish right. I had. Yeah. It's, it's a genuine
2: superpower. I can
1: honestly get up on the bench and say, your honor, I had no idea.
2: I'm homeschooled, Leo.
1: Yeah, I do. I grew up under a rock.
2: And then instantly your honor is like, oh, wow, okay.
1: oh, Oh, oh. Okay.
2: So let's go back to uh, abstract expressionist, the CIA in Russia. Okay. So this is uh, uh, the government or the shadow government, depending yep. on how you look at it. Was using art.
1: I have to say, Mark French just said Ainsley's, I'm so lucky to have been less brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead.
2: Um, so, this is the state using art as a tool in a propaganda campaign mm. for, cultural propaganda, for cultural manipulation. <laughs> Edward, yeah, Edward, exactly.
1: Edward Bernays, much, Mark says. So, <laughs> is he connected to the CIA?
2: Bernays? Yeah. Uh, He had to have been. Yeah. I mean, he started way before the CIA. You know, like he started back with Woodrow Wilson and all that.
1: What year did the CIA officially get named that? That was Operation
2: Operation Paperclip, uh, where the U.S. government brought in all the Nazis after World War II that Mm -hmm. had super knowledge of rockets and possibly UFOs. We don't know. um, And various other disciplines that the September Nazis were good at. September
1: 18th, 1947.
2: Mm. So we brought in the Nazis through um, Operation Paperclip. We moved them down to South America first and then brought them up from South America. Okay. so they're not coming from... Um, so they got vacation Germany. first. Right, exactly. Uh, then they had the little boys in Brazil scenario and then they came up here. Um, so then uh, the OSS, I think, is what came next. The Office of Special Services or something like that. That was the forerunner to the CIA. But from what I understand, it was very heavily influenced by, by the Nazis. The mm.
1: CIA itself?
2: The CIA itself. Well,
1: so it was potentially an organization that was built in order to create a home for these international advisors that the U.S. was bringing in.
2: The secret police had learned some skills in Nazi Germany and be ashamed to let them go to waste. Gotcha. Yeah. So we, we we basically built the CIA out of a bunch of... We cultural composted the Nazis. <laughs> And then we got the CIA. Oh, my
1: God. Not all composting is healthy.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the the idea that art comes up and then holds a mirror to the society in a way where people get to see maybe the manipulation or the flaws in their society in a different way where they can then maybe have an objective uh, view of their society that can facilitate change then got flipped on its head where the CIA decided to use art as a tool. Right. For cultural propaganda, which is traditionally not, you know, I guess it's always been used that way. Oh yeah, there's for a sure. battle between it's art, like the state using art, the state and the church, yeah, and then art sometimes escaping from the cage right. that they created for, for them. For sure. Mm. It, well, it's funny, like, like
0: a person that you're familiar with, Ai Weiwei. Yes, but it's really oh, funny. But it, I'm not. All oh. of his, it's A I W E I W E I Chinese, Chinese artist. artist. Ai Weiwei. Ai Wei yeah. Weiwei, yeah. Um, Love it. But he uh what's funny with him, like you he, he he all of it, almost all of his work is anti government. Mm. You know who funds him? All of his work is paid for by the Chinese government.
1: This is that disinformation and discombobulation technique that we learned from the KGB like over a hundred <laughs> years ago.
2: Well, fun- the eighties, which feels like a hundred years ago. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I thought I thought that's when we have the video of the guy talking about it. Right, like, literally, right, right, right. we taught America how, in a Russian accent, you know, literally we taught America how to do this thing where you fund both sides and yeah. then people find out you funded both sides mm. and then they don't know who to trust.
2: Perceptual right. destabilization. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Another yeah. Adam Curtis reference.
0: I think the the the, the travesty and the bad thing, the, the only thing that happens like for me personally with the art thing is with, with using art because they chose those specific four artists. I, I imagine those, they would have been uh popular and culturally significant anyway, but selected those ones and like I always figure like who, who do we miss out on? Not not weren't, who we mm. were we not able to see right. because, because, because of who was
2: forced down our, our throat. So when the CIA was amplifying yeah. abstract expressionism, what else in the culture was yeah. going on mm-hmm. that didn't get in the spotlight? Right.
0: It's, i I just think that's that's one that's the worst thing that for me that comes up because i i i'm 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 of the mind that I'm super stoked that they did that. I think it's kind of cool I think the, that the c i a did so that. much
2: close to like so much attention to art for right that, that period of time right and it profoundly affected our culture yeah absolutely like we got affected by that in terms of like the patterns on your dishes oh, yeah. and the wallpaper in your kitchen and uh car design like all of a sudden yeah. things started to follow that it, absolutely. CIA-backed yeah. art movement. Right. So wild. So, yeah. Um. So like I said, I actually appreciate portion
0: of it, which I should, probably shouldn't say that, but I kind of, I'm not going to say glad, but I'm kind of like, yeah, I think that was a, a good thing, especially for painting. I mean, because mm-hmm. also those mm-hmm. paintings in, in particular, like they were super rejected, you know, by 90% of the culture. Like was, they, you had only three kinds of people. One person walk in, see, and he understood what he was looking at. Another person walk in, pretending he understood what he was looking at, and the third person not even trying and not wanting to play the mm. like game, like admitting, and then not like understanding that that's what you actually see is what you are understanding. You, it's that sort of a thing,
2: right? Do, do you can you go to that comment that Emily Luttrell, yeah, posted because uh, she we posted a.
1: Yeah, I wanted to, thanks for reminding me. A promo,
2: a promo for the show. So uh,
1: I met, Emily is my oldest surviving friend. I don't mean like oldest friend who's not dead, but like oldest friend that I still talk to. Gotcha. You know, so I met her when I was like three or four or Mm. five. Right. We exchanged a little journal just for a little bit of background while I try and pull this up. But we exchanged a little journal for a while where I would write in it and then mail it to her. Okay. And then she would write in it for a while and mail it to me. And I think Emily still has it.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, It
1: hasn't so, been sent back to me in like 25 years. <laughs> still did. <do. But laughs> it's they pretty grew, cool though. They both grew
2: up on the same zeitgeist. And then we found each other. No, gotcha. no, she was
1: much more, her church was much more um, um, free and spiritual. What's it called? Non-denominational oh, okay. praise and okay. worship songs. People would get up and raise their hands when they felt, you were allowed to feel inspired by the spirit oh, and right. not just follow the, lit- the liturgy. You know, Right, right. Um, so, yeah. So that, maybe that was in Oregon. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, she had some very, let's see. Uh Emily, Portland, Oregon charges residents an art tax for an interesting, infuriating rabbit trail, look up the new art installation intended for Medford, Oregon, and why the residents don't want it. Have you heard about that?
0: No, I have not.
1: Um, So, And then Mark French immediately posted the picture of the controversial art piece, because he's on the beam. Right. Um, And Emily said, to add a little clarification, I just learned about the Medford installation, which has since been halted, and it was interesting to me to realize that sometimes art isn't welcome, and that sometimes art can potentially be influenced by nepotism and corruption rather than personal inspiration. Hmm, sometimes, huh? Sometimes.
2: Was it the piece of art they didn't like, or they didn't like the idea they had to pay for it?
1: I'm not sure. We haven't looked. We <sighs> that's haven't the gone problem on the with trail.
2: that's 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 one of those things where I want to talk to you about. So, like the idea of state-sponsored art, right? Or that
1: are sounds, you calling it? That sounds bad to me.
2: Or <laughs> like, how do you separate state-sponsored art from taxpayer-sponsored not to sponsored not, art? Not to mention, oh. how do you choose that? Like where the community so the wants community to support. The community
1: is getting taxed in order to support art. Exactly. But then they might not necessarily be part of right. the decision of what art.
2: Exactly. My ex and I uh. used to drive cross country and we would art direct the country mm. going across. I'm like, if they just put a little more detail in this bridge, then every time somebody drove over this bridge, they would be like, ah, we live in this town with this wonderful bridge. But they just did this like Blech. brutal, like utilitarian, no extra Put in, mm-hmm. and I'm like, if we just spent a little more time making our place beautiful, I think it would have a profound effect on people's psyches. But then, how do you decide what what's beautiful. our tax dollars? Like, it's it's about yeah, I people hear not it. understanding the, the the sort of more subtle value to having beauty in your environment versus just utilitarian right stuff in your environment. Exactly. So, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about Public art or tax-funded art. I mean, I, I there's a
0: handful of places where I think it's been done kind of well, or or just maybe like
2: like so. You're familiar with uh, Cloud Gate? I think Chicago's amazing. Yeah, Chicago spends so much money and on their art.
0: They change it too. It's for, so most music. This is an interesting thing, but most of uh,
2: most the bean me- they call it the bean in Chicago. Yeah, yeah the, the, the bean. big
0: the big chrome oh, yeah. bean. Yeah. Um, I don't even know why I called it Cloud Gate because I just happened to know what it's actually called. Yeah, but I just don't know why it rattled off at that. Because I, I was like, no, was the green nice. would have been better. I, I just like did that. that. Yeah, I, I did no, that. No, that was
1: a true art moment, right there. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> I was
0: trying to avoid it. Um, but like, uh, you know, most museums are um, are supposed to be free.
2: Okay, should uh, be. Uh, this should be public museums. enrichment. Yeah
0: but no, they're they're supposed to be in Mm. that they're partially funded by the government. So when they go in and says it's $26, the fact of the matter is it's a suggested $26, Right. except for Chicago. SCIC in Chicago is like literally like refused money because they wanted, they want, they felt like they they didn't want to be a not for profit. They actually wanted to make money. So that was a big, big ordeal. Like, and also I was a student there and I wasn't getting, I was like, I'm an alumni. I went there forever and I, all of a sudden, could couldn't go without paying thirty dollars. Like the worst, but at the so state, this
1: museum was like, no, this is a for-profit museum.
0: Yeah,
1: what? Yeah,
0: and the link to the, and it, it technically no link to the the bean per se, but the there is a lot of money that comes that probably would have gone to the museum. It's now Millennium
2: Park, yeah. in Chicago, just has this amazing. Constantly changing. Changing. That's I I love that giant pieces of public art, like those big glass bricks where they took people's faces Mm -hmm. and put them like forty feet tall, looking at each other across a mirror pond of water. Like it's that's public art done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Is that a political piece? No. It's just something that people can look at and say, like, the bean is like a spaceship that landed on Earth. Yeah. Like, it just is constantly, four o'clock in the morning, there's people going, just coming up to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's that's the kind of stuff that I want in my community. Yeah, for sure. And how, and, and
0: I, I don't want to say that, like, like when you say it that way, like, so that, but that's something that you like, right? I actually I like it, too. But if I pretended for whatever reason. Okay. Okay like for a moment that I just really didn't like that thing. Like talk about, I mean, it's, it's huge. The bean. I mean, yeah. The bean you can, you, you can like, you're going chrome down beans. Michigan Avenue. It's check. Jug- you can't miss it. It's what if right you there. hated it? What right. if I hated it? What if I was like, the, I just, for whatever reason, maybe I had like a, had a, who paid an for it? A- accident
2: with the bean or something. Like that. The right. city paid for it. The city paid for it. So their taxes went to go yeah. pay for that Chrome bean.
1: Somebody's mad about it.
2: Yeah. Guaranteed. Right. Yeah. Well, but we can say the same thing about the military budget. Eh, slightly uh, different. I'm not happy Except about the military, but the military budget isn't
1: in your neighborhood. You don't have to walk past it on your way to Whole Foods.
2: Neighborhood. It's in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's in the neighborhood
1: of your mind,
2: <laughs> you <laughs> Dark
1: Xavier. But it is yeah. not actually in Butte. The military industrial complex is not affecting Butte in visible ways or it, taking up space that could have been a garden. It totally
2: is in Great Falls.
1: Right. It is yeah. because they yeah. have a literal base yeah. there. Right. But, right. But but when we're talking the parallel I'm, I'm yeah, metaphor, I'm metaphor police here okay, yeah. so it's not you. a direct parallel okay good Okay,
0: but yeah it, it's one of those things like the, the, the decision that is the unfortunate piece like you it's like everybody deciding on what kind of thing that they like and nobody's ever going to decide the old adage that two heads
2: are better than one <gasps> is absolutely not true <laughs> The more you right. add, the dumber it gets. Now we're
1: getting into the concept of the benevolent dictator.
2: Yeah, yeah. we that was a whole episode last, last season. Yeah, oh. like,
1: can we do it? Is it a good idea? And is anything <laughs> else ever going to work? Does
2: bene- <laughs> does do bene- benevolent dictatorships work? Apparently, they do sometimes. Yeah,
0: um, Plato's theory. Yeah, but yeah, and, and it's true that they do. But the problem is, the only thing that is broke that's broken about it is people are involved.
1: Right, but if you just so, have one
0: uh,
2: people, it's a person. Yeah, it's well, a, but I feel takes. like it's
1: definitely better than like a committee
2: or a board. Well the problem Yeah, was, like, I agree <laughs> with that too. <laughs> yeah, I've been on too many non-profits. More productive. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have a meeting Tuesday about the meeting we didn't have last Wednesday where we, we discussed no the idea. meeting we're gonna have next month, and we're forming a committee to look on the time and place for them.
0: Meetings are like literally like when I was in worked in, in a had a corporate job for a long, long time and it got to a spot where we'd have meetings and I started to... I t- one particular meeting, I took minutes and told, we waited to the next meeting. The following meeting, we had the same dang meeting. And I told my boss, I'm like, by the way, this is minutes from last week. Yeah. But this was this meeting too. I'm not coming again. I will not come to one of these meetings again unless some of these things get solved. That was it.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to come to a meeting about that stuff. I'm
0: not going to do that. I I sat there in the room also, like adding up people's salaries and how much this meeting cost us this amount of money. Uh, And I spent the entire meeting doing that because I had the time. Because I was already at this meeting. Yeah. I was at this meeting already. Productive use of time. You're not cheating
1: in class if you already went to that class. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Deb says art, music, literature, et cetera, is always the non-negotiable hostage of empires. Mm. Hmm. That's
0: not, not true. It's not, not true. Like there's always, it's not, not true. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. It's, yeah, I always think about it like this. So you think about, uh, the system of conception, right? You think about like you make a piece of artwork in your, uh, over it's on that wall. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and nobody sees it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yours. You can care about it however you will. You have a relationship with it; it's yours. The moment you stick it into the system, everybody else now has, has an opinion, opinion. And, and it actually will break. And, and, and truthfully, the the, the 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 large consensus is accurate. It becomes the truth.
2: Oh, like reality
0: is the majority
2: accepted social
1: yeah. ownership of the art in some sense simply through observing and experiencing because a major part of art and this is just me spitballing is your experience of the art. Once I have had an experience of your art, I have a small piece of ownership over the interpretation of that art. Aleister
2: Crowley said that a poem has not been read and a poem
0: has not been written until it's been read.
2: No, it hasn't been until it's been read. It isn't alive. Right. So you write it until it's gone out into the audience. It's like, it's a stillbirth right. if it doesn't that, go I, out I, that's exactly, to see other eyeballs, exactly. to see what Back other here. eyeballs mm-hmm. see about it. yep. Can't
1: just exist for yourself.
2: Yeah. I had a dream last night. Can I tell you about my dream? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and since you're an artist guy, you can interpret it for me. So, like, I had this... I'll actually pretend like I can. Yeah, yeah. That's why we have you on the show. Um, so, like, I had this dream last night and it was about... Um, there were pieces in the culture that... And I guess I would just call them artists in the dream. Mm -hmm. I think this dream was inspired by the show. That's why this, this this particular episode with you, that's why I wanted to bring it up. So like there were artists that are sort of catalyzing agents for culture that were around. And there had been this sort of like metaphorical oil poured over the water. So that there was no oxygen to the artists. Okay. And so the pieces started dying out. Um, And somehow they found a way to part the water, metaphorical water. And then these little – whatever sparks were left, they were not always artists. They might have been a barista or something Mm. else. But all these people had these sparks of inspiration that um, they – it required them to spark. And that spark then sparked another person over here. Okay. And sparked another person over here. And that to me, it was sort of like this dream of like an artistic revolution and that people who have some inspiration, being able to gather together so that those sparks can feed each other and feed a creative revolution. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like after being in the pandemic for as long as we've been, where everything is social distancing and don't talk to your family and let your old people die in the hospital <laughs> alone or whatever. Like when people, people want to get together again. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see what's going to happen after this prolonged separation. People getting together at the pub. People getting together for music, right people getting together just to play games or something to 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 be in the presence of other people. I think it's really important, important for culture to spark it 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 almost happens naturally when people come right. together right i uh, think I think to answer so what your dream means,
0: dark yes tell me no I, no I think you you kind of answered it yourself, like the idea like so think of all like the everybody being trapped in their homes, mm. right think about artists being trapped in their homes mm. like.
2: I've they're the hardest s- hit in this whole thing they're not though oh tell me about
0: it You're, what do you, what like especially somebody who works on their art all the time they're trapped in their I, house and they're not getting anywhere so right, all of right. their energy has been i mean i'm hoping a lot of their energy <laughs> has been like like poured into um you know their work and hopefully like there are many artists that have had, like gigantic breakthroughs mm. and one and you know the the spark right and then when we are allowed to come back out when we are able to see what people have been doing, mm. listen to what people have been doing. Mm. You know, and I think, because like for, like for instance, there's a, it, funny with the, the pandemic, technically like I, but for an artist, like at least of my type, my type uh, that would have been the best thing that ever happened. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you're stuck in your studio. How awesome.
2: I guess I was thinking initially of like the people who go out to the pubs and play music, people who depend sure. that, on that. And I was thinking, and I, that's, but also that's, with, the, but, with the writers but of the saying, music. But you don't even see all the things you
0: you had time by yourself. Granted, it's like because it did last for as long as it it has lasted for as long as as it has. I mean, there'd be diminishing returns going on there. There'd definitely be a bell curve to that. Right. But at the same time, I think that the idea of like people coming out and you're exposing us to the things they've been working on.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that part. And we're hoping for that part. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping for that part because I look at. um, That's what your dream means, by the way. Thank you. I, I'm actually seeing it in a different way now because I sort of the oil on the water to me sort of was the lockdown yeah. era mm-hmm. where it's like we don't get to breathe each other's air for a while, literally. Right. And have that cross pollination that's going on. Um,
1: John Ivankovic has entered the chat, says, what's up, brother?
2: No, if I'm just hanging out with Dark and Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, you're familiar with the World Economic Forum. Familiarize okay. me. Uh Davos. Okay. Okay, right. So the World Economic Forum is this formation. Isn't Davos where that cute girl
1: went to talk about climate change? Greta Thunberg. Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. (laughs) So um, the World Economic Forum is they have this thing called the Great Reset. Mm -hmm. It was a book written in 2016 where they're like, we just need to reset everything. We need to have a new currency, new social. And and some people say it's like a transhumanist agenda. Like we're going to integrate with machines. We might as well just stop pretending and start doing it now. So the World Economic Forum has a website where they roll out this idea of the Great Reset, where they are going to design all of the world culture for us now. Okay. So their proposal is that it will be a uh, transhumanist world. You won't have to own anything and and you'll be happy. That was one of their things. You won't own anything and you'll be happy. And the idea of it is it's a top-down engineered culture. Mm. versus an organic culture where we find the things that we like and then and then it becomes embedded in how we do things versus what they're doing which is like we're going to impose this culture right and it sounds great on paper it sounds like a star trek like reality where everybody gets along and there's you know, in every sci-fi, there's always a council instead of a president or something. You know, all right. that stuff is great, except the council is what they call the global stakeholders. Yeah, which is the oligarchs. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hear it. I, I mean, like any, anything written down
0: on paper, like you're, it, it sounds good on for like some for at some angle. You know, right. you know, that'd be great if that happened. But the the reality of it is, if if in fact let's just say we're going for it, we're rolling forward with it. It'll be a bastardized like version of what
2: the plan was anyway. You're talking about the Great Reset thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see, uh, like, my dream. I'm I'm hoping that there's going to be some organic human response to that proposal. Right. And I felt like us being isolated in our homes for a while. Like, in the beginning, there's a guy named John Vervecki, who's a philosopher out of Canada. He has this whole, Mm, like, 24-hour series series called uh, The Meaning Crisis. And in the very beginning of it, he talked about this idea of the Kairos Okay. Versus Kronos. So the Kairos is like a moment in time where change is more possible. And I was kind of inspired in the beginning of this sort of lockdown idea because yeah. I still wasn't sure. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. Right. So when they're like, let's lock it down. I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is the great reset in terms of like we get to decide, do I really like my job? Do I want to go back to my job? Sure. Do I like my spouse? Do I want to keep doing the spouse thing? Like, like, do I like my kids? Do <laughs> what, you- like." No, Should I, I spend more time with them? Like, and that idea of like redesigning your life a little bit after having a breather from the rat race. And I thought yeah. that was a really great. And I'm still hoping there's yeah. we're going to see the effects of that.
1: Mary Catherine says she remembers in the beginning of the pandemic, people thought that there was going to be an explosion of art after the lockdown, right? As one of those things that like maybe this would give people a chance to reshuffle and
0: yeah. I, and I I do think that the the work probably exists. But how long, it, it, for for there to be an explosion, there'd have to be like forum for their explosion mm. too. So Which again goes <clears> <throat> back to community. You mean a mm-hmm. forum?
2: You said a forum or form? Forum. For, forum? Forum. Forum. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to is like more opportunities for people to get together again. Yeah. One of Which our, I think a lot of people are afraid of right now.
1: Our favorite phrases um, from our interview with Fabio Vigi last week, who's a professor from Cardiff, um, was his concept. He's studying this concept by a French philosopher, I believe, of... Discourse as social bond.
2: Lacan, Lacan, Lacan. Jacques yeah, yeah.
1: Lacan. That if and and inversely, if we do not have discourse, we do not have social bond.
2: Right. Mm.
0: And I, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of things. Like like for instance, the I think the fear the, the fear portion of it right now is what's stopping. Um, fear. Fear portion of what. People are terrified. So. Uh, oh, oh uh,
2: the, uh, the pandemic's yeah. narrative and the possibilities. It, we still haven't got it nailed down. Right. What's going on. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's really to, unsettling.
0: It, and, and everybody's affected completely different. And mm. just, like, just like we were talking about opinion <clears throat> earlier, it's the same thing. Like everybody's like, and, and sadly, people have picked sides, mm. like polarly different sides. And that's just, I don't think it, the pandemic caused that necessarily, but it helped.
2: I think it exacerbated <laughs> yeah. prejudices Absolutely. and alliances Absolutely. and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I also feel like it, it did, it, I think it entrenched people further, but I feel like it also had like a sifting where like we got sifted out of a group. And I know a lot sure. of people who got sifted out of groups and new groups are forming. And I think that that might be really culturally, like we'll be less culturally inbred. Like, if we have be, to start dealing be, with... It'll be healthy, you're thinking? I think that that it might it. be, <clears throat> you know, shaking people out of their their tribal identities, yeah, and new tribes having to form, which means new culture can form. Yeah, okay. I think. No, that that
0: sounds really really healthy. I just I, th- I think there's also an adverse effect to that too. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, Do tell I mean, yeah, tell
2: me about just,
0: it. No, just think about it. Like, just like so. For instance, like, um, I don't get along with people that I used to be really really close with, and I don't mind that. I know why. I always maybe I didn't always like them, right? And now okay. I don't have to works great. All right, so tell me more. But just just the idea of like the, like a like a sifting, mm. you know, but again, tribes will will form, but I think as it stands right now, it's not for necessarily positive reason. What what isn't? Like the it, breaking, the reason the reason, the reason it's happening, the reason it's happening is not like a, a positive like the like the the the, the, the driving
2: force is not positive. Right, and that's not always necessarily the case. I mean, well, like I war clarify, can do that, right? I don't
1: want to assume that I yeah. know what you mean by "the" or "it."
0: So, the, the, <laughs> I thought we were sharing our, the brain here.
1: The driving force for why it is happening. I just don't want to assume that no, I know what you mean.
0: I think you do, but uh, just, to, just to, I, I think, I, know, I think you got it. I think, okay. but it's a good. That's a good question. I do that often, but um, so for instance, like the the COVID. Disease has like all of a sudden become political. Mm-hmm. All of a, it, yes, and and and, and yes. it's like, and when I say all of a sudden, I mean maybe not for maybe you day one, but <laughs> not for everybody else. Thirteen day thirteen, <laughs> but for everybody else, it's now becoming that. Now it's like it really is, and, and people are making decisions based on that. I I don't. I, they're not making necessarily the best decisions for themselves based solely on the fact that they, they're not using. The information about what they're, they're dealing aligning with a
1: political party it, it, rather than the data. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly.
0: Okay. Um And it's one, and I think that problem—that's a problem. Like that's you talk about. It, like there's an already a, has an existing separation between people, and this has just done a very good job of like Yet getting a little one. bit further apart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are new tribes forming, but we all know where they're aligned. Well, I think
2: th- let's let's take another perspective okay. on that. So there's the idea of no. like. The sperm No (laughs) And then the egg Right And the egg is just this one thing Mm -hmm. And then the sperm hits it then it's like Divides into two And then four And then eight And sixteen And then it's like Oh my god It's all breaking up But then it becomes A whole other thing
1: A new being
2: And I'm hoping I'm just gonna keep that metaphor Because I think People who were in these groups Suddenly like It used to be the left and the right And now if you read that um, Post that article It's this article by this These philosophers out of Canada um
1: Hidden Tribes and Culture War 2.0.
2: And they have this spreadsheet, pull up that spreadsheet. They have this spreadsheet of all the tribes, right? <laughs> and it's not left and right. It's like this insane array of shades of gray. Yeah.
1: It's not like it's not just the left and the right. Oh, it's like the left no. and the radical feminists and the right and the incels and the and alt and the, right
2: and the and, and, the, and, and, the, and then it gets more and yeah. more ridiculous and everybody has their own uh tautology. Yeah. And their own inspired leaders and fiercely uh, like violently opposed to each other. And that to me is the, is the egg dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing. And eventually we're going to be so divided that we all hate each other individually. Yeah. And then something has to make in ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because then we'll have to, we'll have to get over our, our, who we, who we think we are. Like America has to get over who America thinks they are. I totally agree. Yeah. Like, France has to get over who France thinks they are. And absolutely. I think we, this is a, truly a global story. Like, we've always had these wars, like World War II or something, where, like, a bunch of countries involved. And right. South America's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, like, this is, like, the whole world involved in a story. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that could be interesting because our identity may not be limited by um, ink on paper. Right. But by something bigger than that. Right,
0: absolutely and I, I think that's a, that's a great way to look at it too, but I just like I'm kind of curious to see to i
2: I'm interested. Look, these are the tribes.
1: So for instance, I'm we, in we, that have, one. <laughs> we have Black Lives Matter. Um, just the Talos or the uh, Talos rough, is like the, the theme th- the theme yeah um for Black Lives Matter is justice for racialized people, their master status this is all explained in the article, is of African-American existential threats to Black Lives Matter, systemic racism. Um, around the campfire, as in the ways that they gather and disseminate, would be protests, campuses, and Twitter. Uh, chieftains of the Black Lives Matter movement, Alicia Garsha, DeRay McKenson, ta am Coates. these, nehisi Coates. Ta-Nehisi Coates,
0: Ta-Nehisi Ta-Nehisi
2: Ta-Nehisi Coates Coke, yeah. Thank
1: you very much. And their forebears would be Audre Lorde, Franz Fannin, Malcolm X., so that's Black Lives Matter. But so just
2: scroll, scroll up and show all the groups.
1: Then we have, like, QAnoners, Alt-Light, Alt-Right, Modern Neo-Nazis, Neo-Reactionaries, Men's Rights Advocates, Incels, etc.
2: Tea Party, so they Trumpists, kind of, kind of Info-Warriors.
1: Mostly left <laughs> to mostly right at the bottom. They work their way. Right. Um, so, like, uh, gender-critical feminists, Talos is to end patriarchy. Right.
2: So when you say the right and then you look at this list <laughs> or you the right. say the left and you look at this list right most of them disagree with Each they other. think they're the left yeah, or they think absolutely. they're the right absolutely that's a i mean that's
0: yeah. also you can get back to this to to narrow it a little bit like in a, if you have your political party for the we only have two plus choices and i agree with this over here and this over here and nobody acts like that uh, Do you know what uh-huh. I'm saying? People like that. I have chosen this side, and I now believe in everything that this side believes in. Or that's the story. It, and that's what's happening. I think. Like just like I mean, just depending on how how you get your news and stuff like that, um, you 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 prescribe now to whatever's going on over here. You because can't of agree. your news source. Yeah.
2: So you think that is happening? And when, happening. I say, and when
0: I, oh, it is happening for yeah. sure. Yeah. And also it, it and, and it uh, travels like through humans, obviously too, but uh, often. The two people, the two, the new, one of the new pods that's or the new is like, they're all going, they all, they all have the same, um, news source. So they can go just right. agree with it. They can they can have an agreement fight. You know what those are like? Yeah. Just right. They, bo- they both agree with each other, e- each other so much. They but it makes it the even matter. Makes makes making them even more angry at anything else that, that they're now decided now have decided not to agree with. Mm. Like having an opinion on something, anything—I don't care. Yeah, what I it think is, should should require knowledge and understanding of that thing. Otherwise, you, you you're not in, you're not entitled to an opinion about something if you don't know about it. Okay, let me propose a question. Whoa, to whoa, whoa! You. You're right. not
1: entitled to an opinion about something if you don't know about it. Correct. You're talking about education, miseducation, and reeducation.
0: I'm talking about everything.
1: Yeah, <laughs> everything. <bitches>. Everything.
0: <laughs> you see, like, and, and again, you, we've all had a, that moment where you, you jumped on the. I used to do a thing where where I. If Somebody was talking about something that I didn't know what they were talking about, I would pretend like I did. Mm. Do you know what I mean? This is like a young person's that's thing. Like, yeah. That's this like chameleon. the beginning. This, that's is, this, is a is the, this is the beginning of the art school uh, thing. Right. When I didn't, when I had like, you know, a lot of my friends were, you know, a lot older than me and were, you know, getting ready to graduate. And I'm just this person who, who, you know, I've read some books. I don't even know what all the words mean in there. I traveled with a, a, a thesaurus, and most of the reading in my very, very beginning art class.
1: Oh, you guys are like twins!
0: But <laughs> but it's an etymological dictionary. Yeah, I, it, was there was, no time, yeah. It, it seems <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I had the internet. We, oh yeah, we well, not, sorry guys. Uh, well, the internet existed, kind of. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> but that. But just that. Yeah, um, uh, the, 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 like, <laughs> If I if I didn't know something, I literally did not know. I would pretend like I knew what they were talking about, and then form my opinion as the conversation
1: inductively. Yeah,
0: yeah, inductively, which I think is really a really bad way to be. I think it's really like
2: a, I mean, listening because like now I've become a better listener. It's disingenuous to a certain degree, but I think I did the same process. Like when I raised in a cult, and then I go to college, and my roommate is like an anarchist, a sub genius, um, uh, national guard guy, a pizza delivery manager uh and is this all the same person and myself uh could have been um <laughs> but they were all like and so we would just play i i wasn't learning anything in school but we were playing spades till four o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and drinking beer after delivering pizzas and those conversations these people had been raised in completely different worlds than i yeah. had with completely different rules and everything so i just kind of shut up for a while and listen to everybody else argue
1: it is a way to learn yeah and I've definitely survived. But then I started
2: fake it, uh, go along to get along. Yeah. Faking, yeah. what do you call it? Fake it till you make it. Yeah. I did a lot sure. of fake it till you make it. And then people call your ass out on shit. Right. And then you're like, well, I guess I will that I like think the,
0: the very first time you get caught, you're going to oh. <laughs> you're gonna have to make a decision. you kind going to have to make a decision like a... Am I going like to double down yeah. or like <laughs> I,
1: on this shit that I still don't know?
0: <laughs> and, and I think it's, um, I'm a little bit different now in that I, I'm a better listener. Mm-hmm. And also if somebody tells or says something to me that I don't know anything about, I don't want that to be like the next time I talk to him I will have learned about it because it was interesting it was interesting to, enough to them like not everybody right. like if not ever, not everything like if somebody tells ask me about a, a specific car I don't care
2: salient moments yeah. yes yeah.
0: if it, if it's something about like a, a, a like Tesla I know little to nothing about I know more about the, the, the individual
2: than the I do the car the car oh you know more about the individual than the car. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. That's and what, I even know more about sign. the. I, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was
0: going to say. Uh, it was funny, but not right. <laughs> no. You know,
1: you can say anything on Facebook, honestly, yeah. nowadays. You can. All of the hot button topics are on the table because all the mainstream news sources are talking about them. Yeah. But it's okay. You have your.
2: I w- it, you know, yeah. We'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> so, like, in the world where we have these moments that got broken down, let's say, by the. By the pandemic okay. story from the last couple of years, things broke down. Churches. We were talking about this before the pandemic broke down. Like, where is our third space? If you don't want to drink,
1: and you don't have a church, and
2: you don't have a church, where do you meet your folks and have this spark of community interaction? Like
1: Elks Club.
2: Like, and we're like, how do we? How do we find a new way for people to come together? That is intergenerational, like old folks and kids, and they can all be in the same space. Church would be that place. Sure. But there's fewer and fewer people going to church. And so, like, is I feel like maybe art has a role to play. And getting people together, not just for an art show or the once-a-year concert, but a regular rolling, you know, like a a way for art in some form to facilitate community space. Right. And and where does that happen? And where does that happen? Is it a rolling space? Is it people's houses? It's something I've been thinking about. What do you think about that? Well, I I think, I mean, it. obviously,
0: like, that's like, that's, I mean, going to school for as long as I did, Mm. like, you, you always had a... That was my place to go, you know what I mean? School, and, and not right, to mention right, another right. thing, another thing is like work, and you know, people meet people at work and stuff right. like that, but they're working.
1: But then, where do you go hang out,
0: right? I, well, that's just it, that's, that's the I third think space, that's, thing. that's that's the third space idea. But and, and again, it would have to be like, so for instance, let's just say that you, you have these uh, like these I'm gonna just put a number on it, these 10 people, and of these 10 people, three of them don't drink, okay, right. Three more of those people don't necessarily like the don't like the music that you listen to, uh-huh. but you still like them, you right? To, and the, and two of them just think art is the most absurd, stupid thing in the entire world. Sounds like a healthy gathering, right? But and <laughs> granted, maybe maybe those people wouldn't connect necessarily. Okay, but it'd be it'd be it'd be one of those things where you find a common like you st- that, that's like that's I, I see what you're saying. I was I I worked myself back to the problem just now. Okay, good. Head. I worked myself right back to it, but I th- I think that the idea of a third place is something that's like really, really, really abstract right now. Because you have to, right. sort, of, you have to sort of like pretend like there's because in my mind, what in my head, I was thinking like, oh, like the, the like the, the the things that the original mind that they do, all those things, those festivals will start, the stuff. festivals, yeah. those will start happening again. But like, that's not really no, the thing. No,
1: it's not reliable and no. you don't get to choose to go there when you and not need to mention, community.
0: And not to mention, it could be like knocked out based right. on what all the things that are going on in the world right now, like Mm, you yeah. know, like, right.
1: Just, sorry, we have to cancel it. We're yeah. Sorry,
0: back at
2: home. Right. Yeah. I, I think the...
1: I think some of the... Because I learned about the concept of the third space from two, two institutions. Right. Like one was the Landmark Forum, mm. um, which was... A very It's a very interesting organization. It's like a shadow organization for personal empowerment and community building that you don't know is influencing everything and everyone around you. <laughs> <laughs> like, there are so many self-empowerment and community building projects that have come from people attending the Landmark Forum. And yeah. a lot of their stuff is a little like Fuji Fuji and kind sure. of a little weird. But I've, I learned a lot of really great things out of it, including this concept of the third space. Um, and then the other place that I learned about the third space from was Starbucks. Mm. Because Starbucks set right. out and... Potentially, the man himself went to the landmark forum in the seventies. Who knows? But they set out to be a third space. It
0: actually, there it's a reference in the company called the third place. Oh.
1: They refer There's
2: to the themselves reference as where? in Starbucks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in place, in, right? It's, it's in, in the, their training manual. Yeah, in the yeah. Telos.
1: To talk about the third space, they're like because because some of the essentials of a third space are that it it needs to be um, not your home and not your work. Yeah. And it should be someplace you can choose to go to when you need to, like the Elks Club or your church.
2: And it's always you know the hours. Yep. You know right. when you can go. and when it's you It's available don't go. to yeah.
1: you, and it's 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 a place that's not just focused on any one particular uh, event, you know, yeah. or any one particular activity.
2: I, I think they they were I think they were ripping off existing espresso houses, and I think they did it badly. Frankly. They just put a name on it, though. That's all it was. Like they that's all. I mean, when I was in in LA, there were no coffee houses. Like I moved there in 89 and mm -hmm. there was no espresso in the town unless you went to a really fancy Italian restaurant. There was no coffee house. Sure. You had diners where you get crappy coffee, but nobody drank coffee in LA. In 89. And then this, um, this. Espresso house opened up by a couple of 22 year old kids who were in AA. Mm hmm. And they needed a place for all their, like, you know, industry refugee kids, yeah. where their parents had just disappeared into the industry and they became alcoholics and, and ate all their meds. They got into the program, and were like, we wanna hang out and we wanna have a good time, but we can't go to the bar. So we'll create this bagel and espresso shop. And then it mushroomed all over LA. There were a bunch of independent stores, and one was this thing called, uh, this place called, um, uh, it's still there, it's a chain, Insomnia. Okay. <laughs> and they did this thing where they got big spaces with a bunch of thrift store furniture and coffee tables and a mic and a and a and a, and a uh amp and so it really became the clubhouse it was super grungy you could put your feet on the coffee table and it's sit there all day room. and do your it's reading your or, or play room. your chess it was it was a real living room which is like starbucks doesn't allow you to like Make it your living room. You're
1: not cohabitating in Starbucks no, or co-creating. No.
2: I would love to see something like that happen here where you have a space that mm-hmm. multiple generations can come into. That would, alcohol is possible, but maybe not the focus. theme. What would be the what would be the, the, the draw? Like, obviously, like in like coffee.
0: Wi-Fi?
2: <laughs> yeah, Wi-Fi is always a draw. But like,
0: you know, coffee, you know, or at a bar booze, right? but there's, you know, there's a common draw and that like those two places do in fact bring people together. What would be another,
2: like, uh, what would be another thing? What would be like the, the next thing? I used to run open mics and I liked open mics because it got, it was like a low bar of entry for you to take stage. Mm-hmm. You could just have started learning stuff and going up and having, and then you bring your friends to come see you or, right. or, or, or whatever. I think that that open mic thing is really important aspect to a third space. Weekly, because people get to amplify their voice in the way that you had um, the idea of the soapbox in the Commons, right? With the town criers or or some lunatic who had a political treatise he wanted to read off for three hours up there, like that ability for us, like censorship and like free speech zones. I remember. Do you remember when that was a thing? They they actually rolled out the really. idea of a free speech zone. This is right. during this is during um, Bush Junior. So they didn't want people protesting, so they set up certain areas where you could protest (laughs) that was nowhere near where the action was taking I love this idea. And they called it a free speech zone. I'm like, I I thought that was the premise of
1: the country
2: country that we were living in. And (laughs) and people accepted it, and they let it roll on. So, yeah, you can't protest here. You can't say stuff here. I'm like, where is the commons? Where a, the lunatic can get up and yeah. say, I've got a problem with this bullshit going on yeah. over here. I, I think that's
0: important. I don't like that. Yeah. You, otherwise, you're completely and totally like The Folk Fest stifled, set up squelched.
1: a free speech zone.
2: A free speech zone. The, Fol- right.
1: the Montana Folk Fest set up. A Which I
2: think I was, yeah, was, was nice like in, a in terms t- of a, a microphone for people to come and say stuff. Yeah. But I think... And it's about but how you it's do like it.
1: When you when you think, why why are we doing this? You, I mean, you have to look at the, the action-reaction and the inverse... And the, like, if I take this and turn it into a photo negative, why are we doing this? Why are we making it yeah. a free speech zone? It's because we don't want those people saying those things in the middle of that event.
0: Right. The or, only reason you make
1: a place to put people to say stuff is so that people can avoid it if they want to.
2: Yeah. it's. A, I love this idea. It's yeah. absolutely horrible. I want, a place it's where horrifying. Th- <laughs> I want a place where people cannot avoid what's being said. Sorry. Like a commons. That's
1: where. That's what people used to do. You used to be able to like dress in your crazy preacher clothes and go yeah. yell on the street corner, but you can't. Yeah. Like, you can't do that anymore. So I
2: think that that element would be important to a third space. Yeah, I would say. Maybe we need two rooms yeah. and have a free speech we, zone. You see <laughs> and that, and then have the internet <laughs> research zone or whatever. We have a new One. friend
1: tuning in on Facebook. Yeah. Um, a new viewer to the show. I don't know if it's somebody you know, Heather Jasso. She lives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hey, welcome um, to the show. And she is talking about a space called the Banyan House. Um, The Banyan House is a third space that someone has created in Florida, and it's a tranquil escape from everyday life. So Heather says that this space is focused on holistic healing, community, art, gathering, meditation, music, and free space.
2: Yeah, free Um, space. They
1: do pop-ups, and they have a studio, and they do workshops. Um, a tranquil escape from everyday life. The Banyan House is an eclectic and individualized path to nourish your mind, body, and spirit via our collection of branches, the boutique, the sanctuary, and the community. I think that's very interesting Mm. because when you guys were talking about how do we make a new third space, it's like, well... How do we make a space that the extroverts love and the introverts love? Yeah. Because you yeah. can't just make it about Wi-Fi because then somebody's going to be sitting on the couch reading a book on their Kindle and getting mad that other people are doing an open mic. Exactly. you got to exactly. have
2: delineated zones for sure. Yeah,
1: We were going to do that here in this building. We were going to put a greenhouse on the front porch and have like our open mic space and our smoke lounge and our greenhouse space for reading with plants and kind of doing we
2: We're going like to make like an a, espresso. We had a… She'd like a 24-7… Plant for an espresso… Twenty-four-seven
1: club membership where people could have a key fob and they could just come in and make themselves a cup of coffee and sit with the Wi-Fi and be in a safe space with a security camera and like you have to pay for a membership, just a little something so that we have you on record and we know you were there and that you know. And then during the daytime, it would be a more pop-in place specifically designed to fill some of the gaps that we have in Butte, like Mm. the food desert on Monday and the late-night food thing. There's no late-night food in uptown. Yeah. And Zero. and
2: it's also that there's a real dearth means not much right there's a real dearth of <laughs> uh, places to socialize without alcohol involved.
1: places to socialize in the evening that's not a bar
0: yeah so I used to live in this this building the last building I lived in in New York in in Brooklyn was uh, Castle Braid you should look it up it's kind of interesting so, Castle, Castle Braid Castle Braid based on yes. one word yeah one word okay it, based on a, a, a ribbon factory in. Um, very important book that I'm can't remember. It doesn't matter. Mm. But anyway, uh, I can't remember for sure. Tree Grove in Brooklyn I, Brooklyn, I believe. But anyway, um, oh. the the ribbon factory there was. I think it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it was a very interesting thing because so um, I was one of the very first residents in there, and the idea was to have um, they wanted they wanted artists and stuff like that to move in there. It was a brand new building, like literally built from the ground up. Mm. Um, 150 units, a gym in there, a game room in there, a theater in there. Um, we had like we, we would we set up because there's a lot of artists in there. We'd have drawing classes like randomly, and you could bring a beer and or not. We had a we had a uh, one the the guy who rented it to me. He was like the real estate guy. Mm. His name's a uh, Taylor Clark. Um, great, like very interesting cat. Like he's now I believe he's in in Washington now where he's from, but he was in Brooklyn for a long time, but he actually had this, he had like a whole group of friends and like, and they had friends and they had friends who they used to comedy Mm. every single Thursday, like no matter what, like that was just going to happen. And it would be different people every single time. Wow. Or it would be him and one other dude. But like it got to a spot was really good. There's an out outdoor there. There's a there's seating outside. There's a TV, gym stuff. There's a, a uh, you can watch a movie outside mm, uh, in the little. It just it, it
1: rooftop was, computer room, music room,
0: six thousand square foot rooftop deck. That probably <gasps> the one year one year for because we and end all of us had key fobs, mm. but one year um, it kind of got out of hand. There was probably like 3,000 some people like that, not all at once, but, and you know, people are throwing stuff off the building and stuff like that mm-hmm. because we allowed people from the outside in right. and then we stopped that part of it, right. which kind of sucked because it, now we you used can't to let, bring
1: friends over to have a party. Right. Because
0: right. they can like, also like realize that this was, this was dropped in the middle of Bushwick and at a time when Bushwick was not necessary, we ever re- referred to Bushwick at, at that time as East Williamsburg. And the reason they did that is because nobody wanted to rent anything in Bushwick.
2: Right. It's like <laughs> in L.A. they call it like Beverly Hills adjacent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but now, I mean, Bushwick now is like completely and totally gentrified. But before we used to let kids in the, like in the, in the neighborhood come in and play with the like the the foosball or, yeah. like, and, or the ping pong table. And we allowed all of that. And it was actually pretty, pretty amazing situation while it was going. But it also deteriorated because it was abused.
2: So how do you? And, and also, let's talk about funding. How do you fund something like that? I, yeah, I don't. Do you mind going down this road suddenly about no, the third space? No, I just sort of. I
0: think. That, I think, and, and I think. I don't think a
2: like you just mentioned a moment ago. Like a membership idea would be, a, like, uh, yeah. So for S- instance, sustaining support, where you know you have thirty people paying you ten bucks a month, at right. least you have that budget to work right. with, or whatever. Right. Yeah, I think, and I, I, I that
0: that's something that. I would absolutely be want to be involved in. You know, huh. you know the, another thing that you guys. I just now remembered this, but I also remembered your relationship there because I think that
2: thats isn't wasn't that the, sort of the birth idea of the IBRC. It was, and and the IBRC did a lot of events, but it always felt a little cold for me hmm. in terms of the space. They, I, they tried I,
1: to they tried to make it cushy, but in the end, it was a giant open concrete warehouse. Terrazzo yeah.
2: floors with white yeah. walls. Yeah. It 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 never really got the. Like crash zone feel, mm. and I like their little light box coffee house. I mean, mm, having that thing so and in the summertime, you have all those windows, sit yeah. around and get some light. And, you also have great coffee, but yeah. it's also it's also so intimate. Yeah, that it's all very. You don't have like the larger coffee houses that I talked about in L.A., where you had rooms
1: balconies it's so that you yeah. had you can and have also
2: have but the works. IBRC yeah. was
1: designed to be a co-working space yeah. that created uh the possibility for people to host community events um that were in, in line with the ethics of the organization I, I had
2: high hopes for that organization but it's it, it doesn't seem to like integrate that was my experience it didn't mm. seem to integrate there seemed to be a divide between uptown and the flats in yeah. that building interesting um Uh, And there weren't enough kids involved. I mean, that's really why you have a social space is to get kids like in this town, in this world where people are struggling to know your kid could be dropped off for four hours in a space where they have enriching things to Mm -hmm. do with with responsible people to help facilitate, you know, that would be a great third space for kids, I think is really mm-hmm. important. Kind of like when it, like uh, parents used
0: to drop off their kids at the mall in the 80s. Right? Yes, exactly. God, we don't
1: have the mall anymore either.
0: Well, we do. It's really exciting. They just
1: drive around the parking lot.
0: They drive around the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. I just
1: experienced that this weekend producing this ice sculpture. Um, I was helping produce an ice sculpture that Corey Gransbury and Lisa Gransbury carved mm-hmm. outside the mall. Okay. And so we were out there like all night last night. I wasn't out all night last night, but they were. But like late into the night last night and late into the night the night before that. And, and there are hundreds of kids in trucks and cars who just come to the mall and drive around and hoot and holler and try to drive over the snowbeams and sit down and have conversations with each other and leave and go it's to rocker and then come yeah. back to the mall to see what's happening now. So what they like, did, There's so nothing to
0: do. It used to be when I, when I very first got my driver's license, it used to be you'd drive up and down Harrison Avenue, mm-hmm. but you'd go first, you'd go to uh, the Albertsons parking lot. It's not the Albertsons anymore. CVS yeah. parking yeah. And we'd hang out there a little while until we were kicked out then we go to the mall mm-hmm. we can be in the front at first then we get kicked out and we go back around just drive all the way around then go back at <laughs> the mall but this it was a game mm-hmm. and th- that really was a so the, and we were all in vehicles there'd be like f-
1: go to places until you get kicked out of everybody
2: them? piled yeah. in yeah exactly because you new- couldn't go anywhere there's also nowhere kid. Kid. Yeah. to go There's yeah. exactly. nowhere. my hometown had the same thing it was a it was a l and there was a car wash that everybody turned around at and then you went up main street and main street has all the traffic lights mm-hmm. So you like check out each other's sound systems and the music (laughs) and you like, you know, you wash your car before you go out and then they go down they turn onto the highway and then they can show how fast their Mustang can go and they they blast down the highway for a mile to the Walmart parking lot. And then there people like, Hey, can you give me some beer? You know, that whole thing happens. Like, Hey, you know, somebody can give me some beer. Like I'll pay you $20 if you give me a six packs or whatever. And then the cops come and confiscate all the beer for themselves. Oh, that was the game. Then they, if they caught you with the that beer, that the end goal. Then the cops put it in their trunk. <laughs> and the cops never had to buy beer for themselves in my hometown. Oh. But that was a whole social thing. Yeah. There, without, there, there without was a the space, in, there was a snitch involved there, wasn't there?
1: I know, you know I they never, waited till they
2: were full, like
0: all that there was enough cups. beer, be like, and oh, then they would call, and the then cop would, would be called. called yeah.
1: yeah. I never understood, you know, growing up watching the the movies that we were allowed to watch. There were there were social references to this, like the holy driver's license, like oh, the. Yeah. Like, kids Freedom. just yeah. desperate to get a driver's license.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And then
1: desperate to get a car. And, Mom, why don't you give me a car? Jimmy's dad got him a car. Oh, my God, my car. You know, it's like every movie that had teenagers yeah. in it was like, oh, my God, I have to have a car because I'm 16. And I never understood it, one, because we weren't allowed to have sex. So, I was not, like, sex-oriented. Like, I need a place Car to... did
2: mean... Yeah, so yeah, I didn't understand sex.
1: that giant. But then <laughs> we also weren't allowed <laughs> to go out and do things without parents. So, why would you need another vehicle? So, oh, like, right. so I just... This, it was sort of like this gray zone. We'd be watching a movie and I'd be like relating, relating, relating. And then they'd get into the whole like fussing about not having a car part of the teenage
2: story.
1: And I was just like, me. And then we get back to things I can relate
2: to. Right, right. The car was king where I grew up. They do that and then they find the party place. So one was like an underpass, a railroad underpass where the road got bypassed by the highway. So it's just a mile strip of road and train track overpass. You go to the overpass and that was just covered in graffiti. Mm. Or you go to Three Mile, which you just drive three miles down this road where nothing is. And it keeps going on for like 10 miles. But at Three Mile, there's a bunch of graffiti on the road. And everybody just pulls over on the road and just hangs out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Or you went to the bridge. Or you went to, you know, there were these places. And they had to rotate them because the cops to, would. And they were so far apart. And you had, to coordinate, them. You you had, had to, to
0: coordinate that. You had to coordinate that either, either at school or over the one
2: phone no, Walmart parking lot. Oh, that's where the. Yeah, what if you were thing. You cruise around late, and then you try to find alcohol and then they're like, where's the party? Three mile or is there going to be some other place? And then you, everybody figures it out and all the cool kids know. and all the geeks are left in the parking lot because nobody <laughs> would tell them.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Heather says growing up in the Keys as a kid, we had the bridge, under the bridge keg parties. Yep. And island hopping. Ooh. Yeah. That's like a Ooh. whole nother level it's of a whole, like you know
2: um oh in the taste, keys tasty right. freeze yeah. tasty
1: freeze to the walmart parking lot or whatever you know it's like no no we're going to go to a, literally a different island
2: so much that's fun that's a
0: florida thing for sure Yeah, that's pretty cool you think about like uh, like i obviously was a, a kid who grew up the license was king what about like in new york city Oh. Most of the people never What give up the densest
1: do, do Are there very many kids that grow up in the dense cities, or do people oh, yeah. mostly move there after? No, no, no. Oh,
0: no. There's so a kids. lot of inner city so, kids.
1: So you have a different. Kicking things ritual. in alleyways, maybe?
0: <laughs> well, there's no alleys in New York City either. <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> what? There's no alleys? No alleys. Oh, that's right. That's all right.
1: streets are used.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: All streets are used. <laughs> So you, one, gotta get, you gotta rooftops? get
0: Rooftops Rooftops yeah. Rooftops is a big thing
2: But Or I, I you get I, somewhere near the A bridge a, a, Some beach We're just trying to decide I'm just trying to decipher Like what
1: Yeah what in- What's the thing that you can't wait to be Cause the, oh. Yeah you maybe don't Just yeah. can't wait to get a car Is there an age in when you City?
2: can take the train no. uh, Is that way, No
1: You can just get on it and Yeah it like A four really year
2: old could just like toddle in there And get on the thing like no, Probably going stop them Yeah
0: wow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I really wonder. That's very interesting. I wonder if kids that grow up in dense cities think about the excitement of getting a car.
0: Definitely. I don't think so. I don't think so. What did they look so forward few. to then? I drove across uh, country once, many times actually. I made the New York, Los Angeles Ooh. trip, many, many, or San right. Francisco, many times. But one time I, w- I was leaving, yeah, I w- there was five of us. And I want to just get all of my driving out of the way. Mm. So, I go a solid like, I'm doing 12 hours, then tomorrow <laughs> when we go to sleep, and tomorrow it'll be somebody else's turn. You know yeah. who else had a driver's license? No, no one. one. Oh, no. And they didn't tell me this. Oh. I and mean, one kid's like trying to convince me, like, uh well, you know, I mean, like, you know, I know how to drive. I'm like, I'm not going to let you drive. What's like all the uh, worst trip ever? Because then I had to God. go back.
1: Right. You had to do it uh, the whole way back, too. When
2: I did, did that back. with a guy. I did a, I, when I was in Boulder in 88, I, delivered a bunch of acid to like university of Chicago mm. and then up in Wisconsin and then to Oklahoma. So I did this eight state circle. I left on Friday at six and the guy with me had to be back for a test Monday morning at nine. Oh gosh. <laughs> so the car only stopped running for gas and we just drove the whole way. And I drove the whole way. Gosh. Gosh. Because I kept after after like the fifth state, I'm like, well, now it's just a matter of pride. I'd, I've gone this far. I'm just going to keep going. So it was like no sleep, 48 hours driving. That's insane. Why that sounds like absolute hell to me. I don't know if I, I could even like.
0: I love sleep tell you too much. how much I hate driving. Really I hate it. I loved it. Never
2: liked driving. You the, never liked it ever. The Still car like it. Did you you grew up here? Mm-hmm. So were you excited about getting a car or no? I well. I was, mean, I was, I was, it a I was
0: until I got it, and then I didn't want to be the one driving ever.
2: Oh, just then you don't got that enjoy job. It.
0: I just don't enjoy it because some people like. I know a lot of people like literally like they enjoy. Like yeah. my dad used to. It's right, the closest throw us I'll the ever truck. get
1: to flying an X-wing. <laughs> <This> <laughs> very, is, very important this
0: to is me. Partial. This may be true. I don't know, <laughs> um, but my dad used to love. love to do this thing on, he would, I would call it basically like the room, he would ruin our Sundays. Oh. It's, it's your last mm. day off where you go back to school me go on a ride. Let's go on a Sunday drive. Fucking I fuck. hate it. Yes, I know. Yes. I was like the worst thing. Like, and the moment, because it was also really like, it wasn't like a planned thing. Oh. It was no, just, just like, oh, no, let's we're go just, for a ride. just going to go for a drive. Oh my and you, God. And you just all
1: have to, and you can't bring a book because you're supposed to be visiting with your family. Well,
0: not to mention, you can't read a book in a car or you no. shouldn't
2: make you sick.
1: Well, it doesn't make everybody sick. It makes me Some sick. People yeah, it do makes it. me I sick can't too. can't do it either. Oh, yeah. I have lots of friends who just devour books. Kong, I wanted a car. Trips.
2: It was like total escape. It was like I have It's literally freedom.
1: Deb says, this is a great show with Sherman and Mr. Peabody in the Wayback Machine. No, what a great show ah, with Sherman right. and Mr. <laughs> Mr. Peabody in the Wayback yeah. Machine. Is that an actual show?
2: Yeah. yeah. It's a dog. And then this kid. And the dog I like thought at first she was
1: talking about you because I didn't recognize the cultural oh, reference. Right. That this is like a way back yeah, machine conversation. A,
2: a re-reminder to the audience that Ainsley is like a foreigner without an <laughs> accent. I've learned so much. Just though. dropped in a few years ago.
1: <laughs> uh, Heather says, um, Big Pine Marathon, or we would rent a room at Faro Blanco. The boys who had boats were always very cool.
2: Oh, how about Oh bad.
1: yeah, see, Florida? You're like, fuck a car. I'm getting yeah, a boat. boat. I'm on the ocean.
2: That's right. It's getting nostalgic. Everybody's starting to have things to say.
1: This is awesome. Mary Catherine mentioned train hopping.
2: Oh, really?
1: That must be like a Midwest thing. Yeah, we would jump from hay bale to hay bale. We would, we would. They would do the big round hay bales in the field in front of our house, and so we would go and like run and grab the rope and fling ourselves up onto it, like Legolas in the Lord of the Rings, right? Um, And like (laughs) pretend they were dinosaurs. Ah. And they all had names every summer or fall or whatever. Each hay bale was like, you know, or that's a really tough one because it's (laughs) on a hill. So it's really hard to jump onto it in one jump and you sort of like have to shimmy up.
2: They probably didn't do that in New York. Mary Catherine's a Floridian too. Oh, Oh, so train hopping in Florida. Train hopping. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Um, I, I
2: always wanted to train hop, never never had the balls to do it.
1: Deb says that she knew a cop who got hit by a car because he was sneaking up on hands and knees to try to catch a couple kids who were having sex oh. in their car, and he was going to sneak up on them and and like get them. <laughs> no. I, I have mixed feelings I'm about like, that. I, t- <laughs> I feel
2: like I don't really feel super bad for him. <laughs>
1: Like, don't be weird about it. Just drive like, up and honk your horn and tell them to go home. You I don't know? want
0: anybody to get hit by a car. I don't want unless, anybody hit, hit
1: by a car unless they're unless. sneaking up on
2: teenagers in their car. No. I don't like this. idea. Those are yeah, formative just, moments. Yep. Gosh. You don't need now that they, you're going to end up having like I mean, handcuff the, fetishes after that. You yeah.
1: know, like <laughs> the parents are paying the cops' bills, not the kids though. So uh, right. If true. the parents don't Wait, want they, the kids they, hanging up on the M, then the kids don't get to hang out on the M.
0: Why would the parents? pay for that has it
1: parents because they don't it. remember that they did that when they were teenagers and they think it's bad and so they try to shut down all the places where kids might be smoking it's or true. having sex I which is why b- we can't go up on the m anymore
0: the protocol like when you're learning that in that happened here yeah they put oh, a giant gate that. across the, the m, m so you no, keep, no the the the, the car no no car?
1: deb i think deb's in idaho or something
0: yeah,
2: oh where, where's, okay. where's deb live
1: I don't know. She might not want to tell us. She's anonymous online. (laughs) She's safe. Right. Uh, Mark French had a different upbringing than the rest of us. Oh. Um, At least me. He had a different upbringing. In Southwest Detroit, the cops just beat us up whenever they wanted and robbed us. Never Uh. mind just taking your beer. Just that sounds like a, a Detroit it.
0: thing. That literally sounds like a Detroit thing. <laughs> yeah, Detroit.
1: John Ivankovic. We had kegs in the mountains. Usually the kegs were somebody that could buy the cheap beer. Mm. Yeah, so this is fun. I love all these stories.
2: We would run to Arkansas from Oklahoma because we had a half hour, and uh, it was... I think it was like six-point beer in Arkansas. It was only 3.2 beer in Oklahoma. Oh, right, So right. somebody would make the half-hour state line run to go get the good beer for the cake party in the woods. Oh, that Mary Catherine
1: sense. says maybe kids in New York did train hopping. That's what she was oh, saying.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that
0: would
1: be like the only getaway car you'd have access to. Yeah,
0: I mean, you don't really see kids hanging on, on trains. Maybe always, in the Bronx. I have always
1: wanted to do that, actually. Maybe in the Bronx. I've always wanted to jump on a train.
0: Yeah, and to see where... It yeah. No, wait, are we, 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 I think she's referring to the subway. Oh. Subway. Well, both stories Train. are valid and true. I'm trying to think, like trains in New York, there really aren't any trains.
1: In, in industrial zones, you know, where they've made all of those, like, nice industrial locks. The docks. In the cotton Close factory. To the docks. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. What are your motivators as a free teen? You want to find somewhere to have sex. Yeah. You want to find somewhere, to, to, beer. somewhere to do drugs and beer. Yeah. yeah. Um. Somewhere where you can say shit your parents don't want to know that you know about. Yeah. So and yeah.
0: exchange information with, with other things your parents don't want you to know exactly. about. Exactly. Right. Right. So, so we have new things.
1: Right. So we just have to figure out those those desires and then put them into a massive cityscape. And how would you achieve that?
2: Yeah. So pre- a
1: couch on a roof is still my. Yeah. You know.
2: Pre car, what were you doing? Riding like, in somebody else's car. <laughs> right. We I always had it. older friends. We had these. We had uh, in our town um, the night walkers. I was a night walker. So we would, good night, mom. I'm going to bed. Oh, and yeah. And then I had a pair of jeans and a coat that were stuffed, and I just moved them under the sheets and then crawl out my window. It's like how- a movie. And I- then meet all the other kids, and then we'd go try to find somebody, get us some booze, oh, see <laughs> who else is awake, tap on girls' windows that we liked, and see if they'd come night walking with us or whatever. Yeah. I, I had, we had the same thing, but how we used to accomplish it is we would, um,
0: uh, my friend and I would stay out. We'd sleep outside. Mm. We'd do it in the winter, too, because where we slept wasn't a tent. It was a car. We just had, mm-hmm. it was a big old uh, car that didn't really run. So they, we'd lay the seats down, sleeping bags back there, wait till oh. we figured everybody was asleep and take off and go do all of those exact
2: so things. So you were camping out of the car. Yeah. And still the, running away from home. Yeah. <laughs> and then what'd you do? just, These get are in such trouble. Just pure, yeah. wander such pure yeah, just find drives. something to do. That's what we did. It was like we just walked around in the quiet town because then it was like our town. Yeah
1: you don't have people telling you what the fuck to think or do. And then Hiding we, from cars. But the well, there
2: was a there was a kid's um, prison in my hometown. Mm. Or what do you call that kid?
0: Like a uh, boy's home or something like
2: that? Yeah, uh, bunch of criminal kids, guys and girls. There's a name they had for it. Juvenile, juvenile detention. Juvenile, juvenile hu- detention Hall, yeah. center, right. So we would go hide by the fence and wait for their security guards to come around and then run. Like we'd escape from the juvenile detention center. That's amazing. Just to do cat and mouse with the cops around town. That they, was like our ninja warrior training keep stuff. Cheap drugs. Oh, totally. Literally thrill. hormones. Yeah. No, so we just wait. and <laughs> see the car and then we go We go running down an alleyway. That's brilliant. And then split different ways because then they have to split the resources. And, then, and have, then
1: they'd have to go and figure out who escaped and they'd be like, nobody escaped, nobody officer. Nobody escaped. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: a really good idea. It was. I, I, I was an adrenaline junkie as a kid, obviously.
1: As a kid, Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> free drugs.
1: Woo. Oh, gosh. I love this. We've completely evolved away from art very naturally. Yeah, but have we? Art and the government, F- personal expression.
2: Were you an artist when you were escaping the car and running around town? When did you decide that that was a thing oh. for you?
0: Yeah.
2: To say I was an artist, like before, like, like when did you school, call yourself an artist? Yeah. I, was,
0: I had gone to school and I. I moved to New York City. I didn't at all, all the entire you time. You went to
1: school before you called yourself an artist, yeah? Because
0: and it was also this weird, like I had this crazy, ridiculous anxiety that sort of. Uh, spawn, so I got we I got I got the syllabus and all all the books that was supposed to get for school. Yeah. My very first semester, I read them all front to back before I ever walked through the doors. Come to find out, we only read like tiny little articles Rise, out of right. here. <laughs> but it, but it was one of those things. I just I just felt in my in my like mind, all of these kids in New York City have. Museums—they are so far advanced. Oh, they right. obviously
1: have access to way more culture than I do.
0: Absolutely, and that's what. I, and weirdly enough, I—I I caught up pretty fast. But it was—it was one of those things that yeah, they absolutely had all these things around them, but they didn't necessarily use them.
2: Yeah, it was just they were available. Yeah.
1: You wanted them.
2: I wanted them more than anything. Oh, ah, yeah. so you ate them all up. Yeah. So what made you like? When did art enter your life? When was art a thing where you're like, hmm, art? Maybe I'll go to art school.
0: Like Um. I had a girlfriend moving to New York and going to fashion school. And you so and you never thought of art before? You'd no, never, no. You never like
1: blooped things onto the paper?
0: No, no. I made art. Like in, like in high school and stuff like that, I did stuff. But I never like considered myself an artist. You know? Right. It wasn't a part of your identity. No.
1: Oh, that's okay. so interesting because I've always thought that you like must have come out of the womb impassioned.
0: No, not like that. No. Oh.
2: It came, it came. I, I mean,
1: passion, but maybe not necessarily art. Exactly.
2: Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I never thought I did stuff, but I never did art in school. Like, I never thought that was, it wasn't an option. That's just, right. an, other people did that. That's not a real thing to do. Right. That's my impression.
1: Huh. And then you did it for a long time.
2: Well, I did stand up comedy when I was 20, and that was in the arts. I've seen you at an open, open mic do stand up comedy now mm. that I think about it. That was like suddenly I'm with artists yeah. and then some of them were actors and yeah. some of them were this. And then they got me into the arts. by I sort of got in by accident because I just wanted to work. I like the idea. I thought that would be a good job if I could get paid to get on stage and make people laugh. And then yeah, incidentally, I found myself in the arts.
0: It, yeah. That's yeah. what happened to me. And that's uh, the, the, those communities. They, they do cross over a lot. hmm. Like, you know, just one of those things like I, I've never had any interest in being an actor. I don't want to do that. But I have a lot of actor friends because right. that's just like the same type of a community. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And New York City mm-hmm. is just crawling with them.
0: Yes. And Chicago is the
2: same. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. For
2: sure. Everybody's an actor. That's where Chicago. the theaters are. Yeah. So you wanted, you had, you, Wow. So, what made you do it though? What the
1: heck were you doing before you decided to go to art school? Yeah, what were you going to do yeah, before you
2: gonna... your, I was a, your girlfriend interviewed Do you
0: know, do you know I, was a bo- I, I boxed. I was a boxer from when I was yeah, six, let's talk years about old, that. six years old to I was 32. I didn't know it was that early. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon as they they'd let me in the gym, I also lied and said I was eight. Oh, And by the way, oh and by God. the way, but, but, but I also like weighed Civil War kids. Four, 45 pounds at that time. So, so I don't you know were how like they. a toddler. I don't know why they bought why the did fact they believe you? I don't know they bought the fact that I was eight years old. There were other eight years old that t- eight year old, eight year olds in there that were like three feet taller than me. But.
1: Oh my gosh. But. I mean, I kept studying piano for as long as I did because there was a boy that I liked that was a piano player. I went to the college that he went to for a year and 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 then finally realized that he didn't like me enough and I was never going to be I, I have this problematic it, mental habit where I follow things to their inevitable conclusion to figure out if they're worth doing to the, in the beginning anyway at all. Yeah. So a lot of things I just won't pursue if it seems like the inevitable conclusion is futile. Yeah. So I, I was in college for this first year of college, um, practicing piano seven hours a day on top of like a 14 credit college class mm-hmm. course load. Um, and trying to spend time with this boy that I liked. And I realized that, um, why would you be doing this? You would be doing this so that at some point you get paid to do it. Who gets paid to do it? Either people sure. who are playing for nursing homes or mm. small town bands or I think that whatever. Is the struggle of or, artists. or the most famous people in piano music. Right. And Nothing I never. In and I never. No. Right. Like, like there's like layman jobs where you're doing something for money, not because you love it, or the people that are getting paid to play the songs they love in orchestras all over the country. Right there's 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 yeah i
0: I see i know exactly you know what what i'm saying saying? Mm -hmm. and so
1: i looked at it and i was like well here in the top of the pyramid are the few people that are going to make it to juilliard right and then uh, the few people from juilliard who are going to launch into europe and be on the cover of clavier magazine right and i'm not going to be any of those people so why am i doing this eight hours a day
0: no that that, that makes a lot of sense was
1: done practicing piano at that point
0: i always wish that i after a decade um Play like the two two things I've, I've not done yet. I could still do them. I don't I don't speak Spanish, which is just oh. tr- ridiculous. And also, like I I've always I've o- owned guitars before, but they're basically hostages, right? You know, like I they <laughs> live in my house, and I get bored with it after like a while because I just wasn't good at it, and then eventually just sort of give it up or give it away or somebody you know just disappear in one of my moves. But yeah, I never liked uh, music. Something that I just I don't. It, I don't understand how to make it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I've. Been I can play other people's stuff so much. But I can't do my, really. You you play instruments then? No, I can. I can play a guitar. Like I can, and I know like four songs. Uh, I'm not okay. a composer.
1: I think I think there's 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 code. There, I I always called it code brains because there I had a lot. I taught piano for a decade after I quit playing, um, and a lot of parents wanted to force their children into piano lessons because right. they didn't like that they quit playing piano sure. when they were kids and they wish they still knew it. And so they're forcing their child to do it. And I'm like, okay, well either um, Becky is going to take to it or she's not. And if she's right. not taking to it and not enjoying herself, Don't I'm not your money. I'm not going to be part of the thing that's forcing her to do stuff she doesn't want to do in her childhood. And I would just tell him straight up, like I'm not going to be part of it. Um, and, <laughs> and if they took to it, like generally if a child likes puzzles if they like patterns, if they like mystery shows, if they like math, if they like language, these are all things that I would put in the category of code brain. Mm -hmm. I just invented code brain. It's not necessarily right brain, left brain. There's crossover between left brain people who are good at music and right brain people Mm. who are good at music. And then within this category of people who understand that I move all of my fingers at once. And while looking at black dots and stuff hits my ears, like that's a kind of brain. Um, there are people who are able to create that thing, right? And people who are not, mm. right? And I'm not saying you can't teach yourself. I taught myself. I learned the the jo- Johann Sebastian Bach thing counterpoint, where it's literally math but music. Like if I put this note here and then this much distance between these two notes, and this much distance between these two notes, they will sound nice. Okay. But mm. that's not yeah. composing. You I know? hear
0: it. No, I hear it. But I, I think that. You talk about the left brain right thing thing. I've been very interested in this idea, but it's one. I think when you're making a solution for something, I think that you can like depending on what you're doing. There's a lot of left brain and right brained like visual artists that are yes have done very very well for themselves. But you can I think you can see it in their work, which Mm -hmm. is interesting too. Mm -hmm. But like I, I think often some. To, to say you're left-brain per- person or a right-brain person, to me, is kind of a ridiculous idea. It's like saying you're a, a Republican
2: or a Democrat. Exactly well, what it is.
1: Or an introvert versus an extrovert. extrovert. Yeah. Right. There are, so You many might different have tendencies versions. one way or the other, yeah. or strong points, or have focused more on one thing or the other. We obviously both have two sides of our, our brains. Right. All of us. Right. Most of us. Most
2: of us have access.
1: Most of us have two, two brain halves. Yeah. Isn't yeah. there like a couple people out there that have had to have like a lobotomy, but they're fine? There's a few people. Yeah. Fine. No,
2: they found that you could lose large chunks of your brain and and still, still have function. massive functioning. Yeah. But yeah, uh, in
1: general, for maybe people who haven't heard this concept, the left brain is, is described as like the analytical or the chess player side of the brain. And the right brain is described as the, like, the artistic and empathic side of the brain. Right. And a well-balanced person has access to skills on both sides. But like anything else, we have... Um, affinities, natural affinities sure. and nurtured affinities towards one side or the other.
0: Sure. I think that um, we talk about music the last thing I'll say about it is um, I think that uh, the reason I'd never really learned how to play guitar or like really well was because I just had met too many people that were so good that I knew I would
2: never get there. Mm-hmm. You were intimidated by the journey In between where you were and where you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That was me too. Like yeah. I really wanted to play, be like Playing guitar, I grew up in the 80s watching MTV, yeah. and I was like, there's nothing else that I should do, because yeah. that's where all the chicks are. Yeah. And then I got a guitar, and they're like, you should play basketball. And then I screwed up my thumb so bad that I couldn't hold pressure on the frets. Oh, wow. I so, thought you were going to tell me you couldn't play basketball. I'm gonna go, Oh, that's too bad. No, I couldn't play <laughs> basketball. I, I couldn't play, but they used me to walk yeah. in to scare the other team, but that's all I did. Um, and so like that I ended up emceeing shows with musicians and working with musicians a lot. And I'm totally like I liked the improv guys, the guys who would yeah. just start playing the moment. Yeah. You know, the people who could just get the vibe and just start doing a thing. Oh,
1: so weird.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then I would do that spoken word cool. with them. And I loved that, but I got a bass and I played around with a bass. I'm like the journey between starting and getting somewhere just seemed like I've got other projects. Yeah. Exactly. Unfortunately. I think maybe if I had to do it all over again, maybe I would have focused more. I knew if I put a little more effort in, I would have been encouraged to keep going. I've learned that from other endeavors. Mm -hmm. Sure. But I didn't. That's probably one of my big regrets. And you think of yourself
1: as not a musician.
2: I like, it's just, it's a commitment. Yeah. It's a commitment to learn, to build the muscles, to uh, Mm refine all that thing. And I was like, I have other projects that are jealous of music and they're not going to let me do it.
1: Okay, so uh, we've got 13 minutes left. Artistic pet peeves.
2: Artistic pet peeves. Yeah, what do you like, mean by fuck that? Fuck that
1: guy who's not really an artist, the guy that put uh, 500 pounds of raw ham on a bed in a museum, like, or <laughs> styles, or mentalities.
0: I think my biggest pet peeve about artists is that everybody pretends and lies about certain things, and that always bothered me. Mm. Meaning, everybody? every artist, everybody. Every <laughs> artist. Every artist in the world pretends that they never... I've never, oh, this is all my idea. I've never taken any idea from it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my oh, entire life. Yeah. I hate that. Or like, yeah. or, or disliking something because you don't understand it. That's another pet peeve. Like, disliking
1: uh-huh. it because you don't understand it. That's a defense mechanism. We do yeah. that in every area of life.
0: Absolutely. But you're talking about like yeah. the, like, there's a lot of like art pieces that, not the one like you're speaking of, that I just don't care about, but I'm not mad at it. I like,
1: can give a parallel growing up. In a classical music household, we, we listen to Suzuki music, we listen to classical music like Mitsoko Uchida playing Mozart's Complete Sonatas, or we listen to like hymns, church music. And a lot of people are like, oh, Christian music, like, um um, no, what's it called? Um, it's Gospitality.
2: Gospitality? Like, yeah, oh, they're great like, word. oh, you yeah. know, like,
1: gospel and stuff. You heard of the so-and-so band? And I'm like, no, 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 no. like Like, Martin Luther wrote this hymn. Right. Like 1600s, we're still singing it and we can sing it in four parts. Right. And we all know all the parts. Like that that was my musical yeah. um, bubble, right? And then um, I went to s- school for music and after I realized I was not going to be a famous piano player... So fuck all this practicing. I, sw- I already knew all that I ever needed to know about playing piano. Right. I didn't need to keep learning things about piano to do whatever I wanted to do with my life. So I moved to singing, um, which had never been nurtured because singing is a much more selfish art form in my mm. mother's perspective. So I started doing opera, and I moved to a um, another state and another college. And at the University of North Carolina Greensboro, there was a new music program. And the students in the new music program like took me under their wing. They ended up being a bunch of my friends and I would hang out with them. And I was just like this like little fly on the wall, buggy eyed, like people are legitimizing what you're doing. Like (laughs) experts in the field are looking at what you're doing and saying, yes, good. More of that, you know? And they're like um, playing a cardboard box or strewing a bunch of nuts and bolts over the strings of a piano or like, Taking one of my favorite pieces that my friend Steve Landis composed um, is And We Make Our Own Truths, which if I hadn't been such a sweet, naive, precious baby at the time, I would like like, the blossoming understanding of And We Make Our Own Truths. And the new music and the little Christian kid listening to it was like they took a bunch of dancers and a bunch of people with drumsticks and I think maybe a saxophone player out onto this bridge on campus and they played rhythm on the bridge. According, played the bridge, right. And the dancers danced and the saxophonist played according to prearranged patterns. And that was the score was they had predetermined at this point in the pattern, you and you are going to trade places at this point in the pattern, do large motions. And at this point in the pattern, do small motions. So, mm. and whatever that is, whether a large drum motion or a large arm motion or a large saxophone motion, like they had composed wow. a piece of, and I, I, every time they performed that piece, I cleared my schedule. Uh, To just go watch that thing, which was also music. Yeah. And it just expanded my mind.
0: Yeah. There's
1: a... Uh, Going back to what you were saying about...
0: No, exactly. You hate
1: it until you can understand it. And I only began to understand stuff that my parents had always mocked when I had friends that included me and explained why it was meaningful to them.
2: mm. Right
0: that that that's it, it's, it's literally exactly what I'm talking about. Like you do, I think that, um, like I said, you don't have to care about it. You don't, you, you don't really have to. I've actually always sort of felt sorry for somebody who doesn't have like is missing, like doesn't have like a creative outlet of some kind. And like, I, I know a lot of people like this that I know like if I have nothing to do, I know what I'm going to what I can do. I, I can do this whenever I want. doesn't mm. matter. Whenever, whenever mm-hmm. it's cool. Um, what I'm taken away from, I have been taken away from it for a very long time recently. Um, but it's a matter of how comfortable and wonderful it is to go back to it. I know people who don't have those things. A they thing anything. that
1: they go do that they feel Nothing. good about?
0: Yeah. Right. Well, or it used to be basketball when they were in high school, but now that high school is over, they don't have anything left. they've
1: got the dad bod now, and so everything hurts when they play basketball.
2: Yeah. you know? That happens.
1: I think uh, maybe some of this defensiveness that people get around art they don't understand is... is um, Maybe a consumeristic, capitalistic thing and something that has taken the, your right to have a personal life away. Like you created this art. It's meaningful to you and that's enough. Mm. Whether or not it's meaningful to me. Right. But I'm going to come along and I'm going to have feelings because it's not meaningful to me. Why did you make that?
2: Sure. I, I think there's an irritation that comes with shit we don't understand. Yeah. There's a, uh, I don't understand. I'm it. certain of that. There's something yeah. strange in my uh, environment. I'm angry at it. You know, I that's a real thing. It. Like my dogs do it. The you know, dog comes in. and is like, what the hell mm-hmm. is that stuff thing? <laughs> do not know it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a real thing, especially when it comes to art, which takes us back to our earlier part of the conversation. Is like public art or state art. Is it the same thing? And when you're trying to foster, like school used to have music, you know, like this is the thing that I think we're to try to wrap up this whole conversation. Because this is one thing I wanted to talk about, art in schools, which is oh, still geez. sort of sponsored, state-sponsored art. throw that in, in the last art.
1: seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: because it goes to the third space and it goes to this idea of like, shit, I'll talk about Donald Trump too while I'm at it. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> The idea of the country being run as a business has been a trope since I've been a kid, since Reagan era. I don't know if it was so profoundly, overtly talked about that way before Reagan, that you had a society and in a society you had the humanities and you had the art and you had your environment and you had all these, you know, various aspects to the human condition, science, whatever. But then, like, it just became business after Reagan. Yeah. And so people elected Trump because they're like, ah, he's a businessman and he knows how to run a business. I'm like, what does that have to do with running a society? You're Like we've dropped the society part out of the country and we just keep talking about business. So now like our medicine is business, our school is business. Like that happened in my life that like school became a business in the way that it became where every kid walks away with $125,000 in debt for, you know. yeah. Absolutely. Like that thing. So like the arts, I think have suffered. That's what I see is the oil over the water in my dream last night. The arts have suffered because I had the option to play in a band in school. I had the option to go into the choir. I had the option to take an art class and be encouraged by somebody who knows what they're doing. And like those options aren't there anymore. Right. Right. And I think that's really sad when it comes into people going into selecting their representatives and what's important in your community Absolutely. if you've never had access to getting your hands in some mud yeah, or on exactly. a paintbrush or so. If you've never had access, you don't know how to value it and it dwindles. Yeah. So I'm hoping maybe it's just like the artistic spark is just needs some oxygen. And I'm yeah. hoping maybe I wanted to talk to you about that. Like The coal is still there, yeah. Inspiration is still still available, kids still need it. Like, what could breathe that's what the third space conversation was about. What could breathe oxygen into that thing that's kind of been pushed underground? Well, we have a couple of business world
1: after school programs, it's been shifted to a non essential part of education. Mm. So, if you want your kids to know a lot about geography or another language or art. Send them to an after school program. So, yeah. places like the Arts Chateau and the IBRC do these after school programs. Which are great. Where kids can go Absolutely. and do some art. Yeah. But it should be in school. It should be accessible. I agree. And we shouldn't only have quote unquote left brain things accessible to people mm. in school.
2: Right. Because then should you just be have a bunch of people who vote for a businessman to run the country.
1: Nurturing the whole mind.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. No, I totally. Also, like, the, the value is not really seen in having, like, using that side of your brain anymore, I don't think. Mm. Like a right brain thing is almost like a, like what what it takes to be able to solve a problem is like, it it's only your right brain, nothing else. Your left brain, if you already know the, if you have all mm. the pieces already, it's, it's going to be solved that's, on that side. The rote mm. memory mm. thing, yeah. call and response. If you don't have the answer, it's never going to be, that. that's, you can't really use that side of that, that. The
1: left okay. brain, if the left brain has all the pieces, that's deductive reasoning. Right. If you have all the pieces, you can solve the problem. The right, right brain has the capacity, if I can reinterpret what you're saying, yeah, you're right. to solve a problem whether without having all the pieces, inductive reasoning. Yeah. It seems as though if we put these things together, then, yeah, I like, wow, I really like that.
2: Yeah, I find that in our, like, if we're looking at the major news story of the last two years, there's this idea of trusting science. And that's somewhere in there we came up with this idea of like, you could know. But people are like, where'd you get that off the internet? Like, it's not an encyclopedia. Like, there's this weird thing where people assume they can't know things. Only right, right, right. this scientist can know about that thing. You can't know about what he does. You can't read his paper and understand it. Right. Right. right and right. you can't have an opinion on it. So, those Thanks. ideas are, are like engineers or politicians or priests. They're all like, only they do that. I cannot have a conversation or a relationship with what they're doing, which I find is really—it's the left brain thing. Like you stop I'm,
1: learning it once you leave the institution of education, you can no longer learn.
2: I'm right. not a data an- analyst, so I cannot understand data. Just like, like you, and, just like you and I were having the conversation at that one point about um, uh, research. <gasps> research. Oh yeah, the we didn't get into that on <laughs> the, the show. <laughs> But and again, but,
0: but but like like you said, like like you could know meaning like you absolutely could actually research and don't just choose the paper that you like mm-hmm. that's like half written. Confirmation by. bias, yeah, yeah. Right yeah to, to go, go find the thing, thing to support your you will And, I, supposed and the position. interwebs interwebs do that very very easily mm. for you.
2: Just type in one thing and it's just there. Well, it's also difficult because the way they started. The way the algorithms are now, my Google is different than your Google Mm -hmm. is different Mm -hmm. than her Google, and so we can Google something and we'll come up with different realities. And well, this is
1: so. What we should really be teaching in schools is teaching people how to educate themselves reliably. You need to know critical thinking. You need to understand logical fallacies. You need to know how to search for a variety of sources along a spectrum. And if you find yourself enjoying a particular source, instantly go and read a source that disagrees with that one. Exactly. And then look at who funds them.
2: I think I've always thought we should study irony in school. It's like one of the lost arts. <laughs> <laughs> irony deficiency. Get your vitamin A, vitamin D, and some irony. Mm,
1: I love it, uh, Josie. Tuning in from Butte, she says that we do have art programs in school in Butte currently. Yeah. Which is great because neither of us have children in school. No, yeah, we
2: don't participate.
1: um, uh, She says all kids in Butte take art elementary to high school. Mm. Impressive teachers too. My son even had a jewelry making class at the high school level.
2: Oh, that's nice. That's great. I'm glad they do that. I guess, and I'm glad, thank you for yeah, Letting telling us, us what's, know about going what's going on in, in mute because, like, I know that that's been a dwindling thing culturally. Yeah. Yes,
1: beyond our personal experience, arts have definitely gone down in schools.
2: Right. So I'm glad that stuff yeah. is still available to folks mm-hmm. locally.
1: And and this has been a big se- focus for us in season three is like, what can we do locally? Like, yeah. yeah, like how can we affect change in our environment? Because if we all empower our individual friends all over the planet. To effect change in their immediate environment, then things will change. Right. But it's me worrying about the sea turtles in Florida that is kind of like a little spinning my wheels.
2: Yeah. You know? Mm.
1: I could be worrying more about the snow geese in Butte and how we can mitigate the snow geese dying in Butte. You right? could have a m- bigger have m- impact
2: there. More yeah. impact
1: for my energy. Yeah. Rather, than, you know. So trying to we're aware of global crises because of the internet and and global news, but we don't have the energy to solve global crises, and I right. think we're sort of in this generational mass depression because we're aware of all the shit that's going on.
2: Yeah, we didn't grow up with all the problems of right. the world. Yeah, you guys right. had
1: years of your life where you didn't know about the sea turtles dying in Florida. No, didn't right. know. Yeah. We just
2: knew local news and yep. whatever was Walter right. Cronkite said or whatever. Exactly. So,
1: like, the kids these days are trying to crawl their way up through mass awareness of global trauma. Of all yeah.
2: the problems in the world. All of them. While yeah. not exactly. being
1: empowered at to any level. It. Yeah. To be able to deal And so we're like How can we what's a, what's a? How can we work on that Start local Start local Yeah
2: We had When I had a farm in Hawaii I had this This landscape nursery And I had a friend of mine Who had a He had this He'd rented this house For nothing in a swamp mm. And he started building Taro lo'i They're like Taro lo'i Or like um, Like rice paddies Okay So we started reclaiming And creating Traditional rice paddies For the taro Which they grow You know Poi Make poi out of and he would do a work party once a year and borrow all the shovels from all the people, all the farmers in his neighborhood. And he would get 30 people out there and they would dig a low E. Okay. They would dig out this whole rice paddy thing. And he brought a chef and he brought a band and he brought shovels. And he had a workforce of 30 people and he extended his farm by like 100 yards. Oh, wow. Like suddenly he has this area. And um, those became, like, a hip thing to do when I was there. I had my own landscape nursery, so I would do uh, a work party that was educational, showing people how this whole process works and with organic farming or whatever. And I get a big chunk of my farm taken care of like that. Right. Mm. And people feel I love doing that. I love the idea of, like, being able to throw my shoulder in and see a giant effect of that effort. Because it wasn't just my shoulder. It was everybody's shoulders. Those things were so empowering, and I think those are kind of um, pop up third space where you can have people in town. I kind of like the idea of the trash pickups they have in this, when all this stuff starts to melt out of the snow yeah. and you, yeah. and you have the neighborhood, and you go but hang they also out do with like people. The little
1: tree planting party.
2: Vue, yeah, I Vue think does
1: a little tree planting yeah, party too.
2: those are great ways to get people together to hang out mm-hmm. and feel like the power of one person's effort making a big effect
1: in your in your, in your environment. environment. Yeah. And if if we all were able to just, you know, we've had this massive technological revolution and it comes with great power and great tools and we, we, we need to continue to evolve through it and, and get our consciousness back into a place where we're having an impact. You know, and that's where the turning local, I think this concept of empowering people to what can I do in my environment that makes a difference. And then if we're all doing that, then the whole planet is, is feeling a difference. Right. You know, Right. not just like I used to send $30 a month when I was a teenager to an orphanage in Peru, Mm. which I know made a big difference. But. There were things I could have been doing in my own town sure, that would sure. have gone way farther yeah. and been more directly satisfying, and I probably would have kept up with them longer than I kept up with the thirty dollars sure. in an envelope to right. an orphanage that I don't know. Right. You know, you
0: like, never know, saw the I'm kids. Never going to go see or, those kids and right. read
1: them a story or whatever. No, exactly. Um, final question mm. um, from Deb on Twitch: What is your favorite piece of
0: art? Oh boy, it exists in the world right now. <gasps> um, gosh. Hmm. It's kind of like asking somebody their favorite song or their it's favorite the worst No, it's the it's worst, worst question because, but because you, because you like could change your mind thirty yeah. seconds from now. Right? Right?
1: So, yeah. Anything ever made you cry?
0: No, but I but I'll cut. That's a that's a good. like uh, like that's called something. Yeah. There's a name for that. I forgot what that was called. Like something in front of like a painting that like just breaks down and doesn't understand, understand what right. happened. Yeah. There's actually right. a book written about that. Oh. Huh. Um, uh, Jim Lutz, I think, wrote it. Um, he so I'll tell you right and I'm and it's this specific painting like i don't really like picasso all that much Uh i never have but uh guernica i've had uh two experiences where another person just like broke down and it was like that was like incredibly moving to Uh. me i was beside myself because i was almost alone but again it's it just one. it's it's i don't love his work but i love that painting is it, a,
1: is it a color painting or a black and white? It's, painting? it's
0: black and white, but okay. every one of the, it's it's sort of like browned a little bit. But all those a lot of it's funny. It has going, a small little tiny. Yeah, a little bit of like, tanny to it. Yeah, a little, little beigey
1: That's a little tiny. Button. That's a piece.
0: That's one of it's those pieces. Guernica. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so,
1: what was it about? I'm pulling this piece up, but what was it about that piece where you were like, "Holy shit!"
0: First of all, it's, it's gigantic and like it, it, it's huge, like it's massive, and but it just the experiences that I've I've, I've had in front of it. Like, I just, I I know it was caused by that painting. I just, it's just such a powerful thing. Um, Again, to say it's my favorite piece of artwork, Mm -hmm. probably not, but it has been many, like, for a period in my life, for sure.
1: I remember when I was growing up, there was a, I think there's something about giant art that impacts Uh, differently. Sure. Also, there was a giant, probably eight by 10 foot painting of just the horizon line with a, enormous tree on it mm. and it was it was not a wonderful piece of art sure i know now like it was not a wonderful piece it was boring there was no rule of thirds it was literally a giant symmetrical tree in the middle of a giant symmetrical mm. horizon and sky sure you know like blue green brown green but i loved going to that coffee shop and having feelings about that tree
0: yeah mm there's a, but it that's a funny there's a, there's a, a, a joke that was in um october magazine about uh, like years back about uh, uh chuck close and um julian Schnabel were in a, in a race to make the largest painting <laughs> and it was funny because it was true like they they're, they're all, and both of them are very very different both of them very very like uh Egotistical, kind of at each other, but they just kept making larger and larger and larger mm. paintings mm-hmm. of what they kind of already painted. So it was just kind of, it, it was kind of, a, you know, what I
2: mean? it was like, ah, what are you doing? Like, you're not, you're not making anything
1: new. That's
2: just flexing. Yeah. Flexing at that exactly. point, which is yeah. fine. Flexing is yeah. sure. fine. Sure. I don't know if I have a piece, like, I think the first thing that came to mind for me was a, a book mm. that just like broke me. What was that? It was, um, Robert Tom Wilson's uh, Prometheus Rising. Mm. It's art. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was like a handbook for how to change your brain. Okay. It was just a handbook for how to change your brain. And um, it was one of those books that I read five times. And every time I read the book, I was a different person. Mm. And so I was reading a different book. Gotcha. Like, it's like what you were talking about going to art school, where you like just go you know, fake it till you make it. And mm. I read that book and I didn't understand most of it coming from a fundamentalist black and white, yeah, good and bad world. And this was this, this sort of exploring your mind and what is possible. And so like, I just got like a 10th, maybe going through understanding it and it changed the way I saw the world. And then I like six months later, I would read it and I don't even remember the book. I was such a different person when yeah. I read the book mm. again that I was able to unpack all this other stuff. From. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. It's one of those living works. Yeah. I would call that a living work because I was able to continually grow with it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: That's so important. Do you guys well, have, any have any final thoughts? Art? Like, is this the bean?
2: The bean was one of those things where I'm like, somebody did this. Because <laughs> I'm like, to, I like shiny shit. Like, I just like polishing to, stuff and to, roundy stuff. To watch roundy, it, yeah. it was. It's all the things I love. Roundy and shiny. shiny. <laughs> it was funny to watch it go together. Because it was all like these Riveted. T-
0: tatami squares that were all just like, you know, which is all tacked in there. So it was, there was this space. It was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. And then all of a sudden I came, like, I, I, I think I took off for like a week, came back and like half of it was like done and polished. I'm like, well, what just happened? <laughs> I had no idea. I, cause
1: you didn't I, know it was going to be solidified, no and idea. covered up.
2: No idea. Well I, well, I heard when they made that piece, just because I think this is a fascinating story. So like the artist, what's his name? I a wish would- Or something. Something you ask me. I would have he he remembered. he does stuff that makes people cry. He made this little box that people just walk into and they burst into oh, tears. Oh, it's Anish or Kapoor. Anish Kapoor. Yeah. That's
1: the guy that did the darkest, blackest black.
2: Yeah, right. That whole story is. That's oh, a such I a great talk to you about story. story. I'll come back. Yes. The black is black. Yeah, come yeah. back. Um, but the bean apparently, like his idea was this polished chrome bean, and then they did it with like stainless steel, and they all the rivets were still there. Yeah. And and the, and the city was like, yeah, we're not going to pay to have all that shit smoothed out. <laughs> and he's like, no, that's what we're doing. And so it it did look like a Frankenstein bean. It was just like yeah. rivets and metal that's all funny. over it. That's really funny. And they're like, yeah, it's pretty good. That's and fine. It's, like, it's an art. <laughs>
1: it's an art.
2: And it's like, I think it's one of the most impressive objects I've been in the presence of. Like standing and looking. And at nice this, interactive. Oh, nice interactive piece. Too. Watching everybody watch it is
0: amazing. Yeah. And, and again, that's to talk about a community yeah, yeah. It's that, not like a non because there's a is a thing in museums that you know no touch no for whatever reason people don't talk in museums which I th- I found kind of interesting right there's no rule it's not a library right mm. but still people don't there's it's really like a quiet culture. it's, it's, it's a sacred cre- creepily going around a sacred space
2: staring at stuff yeah. not
1: no yeah a museum but where you have coffee and smoking and talking yeah that'd be fun
2: uh, <laughs> yeah I, the bean is one of those things when I just watched it when I saw it when I was in, in the presence of it I was like. Yeah. I could just camp out here. Yeah. As a photographer, especially, I'm just like, ah, endless possibilities. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh, guys, we had uh, over 20 people during our peak listening time. Nice. nice. Yeah. Thank you so much to everybody that tuned in. We had new friends on Facebook yeah. together from Florida. Thanks for um,
2: suggesting, like when we're talking, for suggesting the, the place, the various places. Who was that person from Florida? Uh, in Florida, Florida the yeah. Banyan yeah thanks yeah. for suggesting the stuff and making and the show there uh, are always comments
1: we can't get to and i'm so sorry we, we try and work with the flow of the conversation and also work with the flow of the conversation with you guys so please don't feel left out if we didn't get to everything awesome you said you're always welcome to be conversing with each other cross-platform which is why we made this chatbot
2: yeah oh, yeah thanks gosh. for playing thanks for coming in thank you tony yeah absolutely thanks for having me would do it again yes absolutely yeah do you 100%. feel
1: taken care of as a guest?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I, I feel like
1: we just scratched the surface. Oh, already.
2: we just got started. Yeah,
0: we, and we got we got we. Trailing Thank you off for visiting
1: our Outpost in the Borderlands. Post Orthodoxy is a project of Sevier Studios. We host ongoing, interactive conversations centered around cognitive liberty, and you can join in by catching one of our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You can also catch each conversation after the fact as a podcast by searching for Post Orthodoxy wherever podcasts are found. If you take value from the work we are doing and the community we're building together, you can support the Outpost in the Borderlands. For as little as $5 a month on our website, BetterTime. That's betterti.me. Visit the Sevier Studios page and subscribe. You can also support the Outpost by following and connecting with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and or Substack. Our post-Orthodoxy theme music was composed by Frank Pascal and a special thanks goes to our voice actors Amelia, Colin, Zbo, Rosie, Gabo, Vicky, Mokai, and Tony.
2: Thanks for playing. What's outside your reality bubble?
0: I think I dribbled a bit that last one.